cuts of land and the starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. Don't fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze. Listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees. Send me off forever, but I ask you please. Don't fence me in. Don't fence me in. Just turn me loose. Let me straddle my own saddle underneath the western skies. On my guise, let me wander over yonder till I see the mountains rise. I want to ride to the ridge where the west commences. Gaze at the moon until I lose my senses. I can't look at hobbles and I can't stand fences. Don't fence me in. Don't fence me in. about a week ago today that we had our uh, Lit Mansion Halloween party, essentially. It was the uh, it was the Radio Free Almond holiday special. It was the uh, Halloween special. It was the overnight stay at the haunted house. It was uh, everything and beyond. And we had a great time, saw some ghosts, and yet I didn't realize that the uh, biggest haunting that we'd see pre-Halloween would ultimately be the return of Barack Obama. None other than Barack Obama. And this guy is making the rounds, and he is sounding angrier than ever. In fact, it was funny. Yesterday, I when I was playing the Doug Giles Twas the Night Before Christmas thing, and I played it towards the end of the show, so I'll play it for you guys a little later on. So 
what came up when I put that into the computer, when I put that on the computer, was uh, a version of then President Obama reading Twas the Night Before Christmas with, I guess, Sasha or Malia or somebody. And he couldn't even do Twas the Night Before Christmas with a smile on his face. He still had that weird, angry frown that he possesses all the time. I don't know what that is, but boy, is it dark and menacing. And he is mean, this guy. And not only that, aside from being mean, he is uh, breaking every protocol you could possibly imagine by getting out there on the stump and not only criticizing Republicans and President Trump, but also then uh, not thinking twice about taking credit for everything. So he blames Bush and blamed Bush's entire career as president of the United States and now is taking credit for anything that comes forward after that and b- blaming Trump for whatever. I, I, I don't know. Because apparently something good is happening, but it still is his doing, and Trump's a bad guy. And, man, is he just crazy. Listening to him, he sounds so jive anyway, but he's just, like, so bitter and so angry. I just don't I don't get it. But, yeah, he's out there on the stump. That's for sure. You, you see him talking about uh, about women and Hillary. He's a, Nevada, yeah. you could be the first state ever. To elect a state legislature where the majority are women. Which, I'm pretty sure things will work better if you give women a chance to run things for a while. Oh, okay. But you have to vote. Yeah, boy, that was that, that wasn't, certainly wasn't a speech from 2008. I remember those days when he was running against Hillary, and it wasn't uh, really all that clear that he believed that uh, women should get a chance to run things for a while. In fact, it looks like Hillary Clinton was uh, his biggest detractor at the time, and he wasn't speaking that same language back in 2008. Oh, well. And again, this idea, too, and who doesn't love women, but this idea somehow that these guys out there like Barack Obama and others are out there pandering to to women. Do do women really want to still want to hear that that, you know, w- things run better when women are in charge? I do do even women really want to hear that kind of language? Do even women really believe that? Because I I think that there are a lot of women and and men too uh, who are confident in the ability of their particular genders to pull things off and do things, but I'm not quite sure that that that's something that as a group uh, anybody really wants to hear or would would say it's it seems so 90s to say to 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 pull off uh, that kind of uh vibe but that's that's President Obama and speaking a different language than he would have in 2008. Good morning this morning. We are live from the Discovery Design Studios. Discovery Design, Truck Care and Manufacturing, ddtruckusa.com. Going to have Rick Pogan uh, a little bit once he gets back in town. I think uh, next week at some point we'll, ha- we'll have him in. And, and we've got uh, Jimmy Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, who's going to be joining us uh, a little later on as well. Uh, Kilmeade has to get permission to be on the show 
just I, I'm going to try to get him on tomorrow uh, to promote his appearance here in St. Louis. He's doing something for 97.1, and because his book is uh, out in paperback now, we're going to uh, try to see help him promote that and help him promote his appearance here because uh, his show is there right after mine. Uh, on ninety seven one, so you guys can uh, find him there. Yeah, listen to me, and then go go find him over there at ninety seven one at nine. But I'm going to see if I can get him on uh, just a little later on uh, in in the week somewhere around there. Uh, so yeah, watched the World Series last night. My team, the L A Dodgers. You know, one thing I'm no expert in baseball, uh, but I will tell you that the key i think to winning a baseball game is you kind of got to you kind of got to catch fly balls i i mean that's just that's just something i thought was uh a a common thing that's something i thought that you kind of had to do but uh the la dodgers didn't and really were outplayed and completely outmanaged by the way by the boston red sox the boston red sox looked like twice the team uh, as as the L.A. Dodgers, I mean, they had they had this guy uh, Baez who was pitching for them, uh, and it was like the seventh inning. It was five to four, and first of all, they stranded like a couple guys earlier, and they it was five to four, and they had Baez in there, and he was pitching really well. He was pitching like ninety eight, ninety nine miles an hour, and then suddenly uh, at they took him out and put in this string beanie, uh, ninety-pound Opie-looking lefty who just served up a home run like the very next bat. It's like, dude, why? Why did you take that guy out? I mean, he thought, well, I know, I'll put a lefty up against this guy who's hitting this and this and this, and uh, it turns out that he did not uh, in any way, shape, or form. Uh, do well. I, I, you could see it coming too. That was what was so frustrating. It's like you're like, oh, th- this little guy who doesn't even look like he's twenty. They put him in there, and he just looked like a a victim, and they turned him into one. Last night, I I posted on my Instagram the uh, lauding of the uh, the badass pitcher Craig Kimbrell. There in uh, for Boston, man, that guy is that guy's money, Lord. He was he was pitching like ninety eight miles an hour, and he was uh, unbelievable. He's he's the guy who has that uh, stance where he's on the mound and he crouches down. He's this big, long red beard. He's and and what was great because it was kind of like like at the tail end of the game, it was the face off between the two beards. It was. Uh, Craig Kimbrell's beard and Justin Turner's beard versus each other. And you had uh, Kimbrell who would uh, kind of, he would uh, crouch down. He's got his arm kind of out a little bit and he's kind of sizing up the batter. It's really got kind of a really interesting stance, but he's a damn good pitcher. So I don't know. Los Angeles has its work cut out for it. That's for sure. But uh, I'm still rooting for him, but man, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was a pretty crazy game last night. It should be a pretty crazy series. You know, L.A. lost their first game against uh, against the Brewers, so it's not beyond the realm of comprehension uh, that you would have 
a situation where maybe, maybe this is going to be a series that goes right into seven games. So uh, I'm going to follow up, too, on the, uh, the the caravan. And you guys heard yesterday from, well, multiple sources uh, who were talking about people who were in the caravan. Now, the news media just absolutely refuses to discuss the reality of who's in the caravan. So we had, you know, last night we had uh, Jorge Ramos. It was a pretty good interview. Ramos wasn't uh, completely ridiculous, but he was interviewed there uh, on the show with Martha McCallum. And it was interesting because he he would portray these guys uh, and, and what you saw almost instantaneously behind him were people with baby carriages and things like that. And there's no question that those people exist. But, you know, uh, Vice President Pence did point out that there's a strong possibility that there are individuals who are funding this whole operation from Venezuela, that they are a contingent of left-wing agitator groups in Venezuela and Honduras who are promoting this caravan, who are pushing this caravan. And yesterday, Pence all but indicated it and was 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 pointing out that, that there's a good possibility that these folks are being uh, are, are being funded by left wing sources in South America and, and Central America. And that was the first hint you got. Then you also uh, got a pretty good indication uh, also by Homeland Security that there are, in fact, people from different countries that are not Central and South American. So there are people from other countries within this group of individuals, and I'm talking about Middle Eastern countries. And, And that's from the Department of Homeland Security. And so there are... And we already established, by the way, yesterday with uh, Jim Carifano, that there are also individuals who are clearly from the cartels within this group as well. So this group isn't necessarily the just the baby carriage people. This is th- these are groups of some people who could do some harm. They, they identified even some of them as being from North Africa. So it's not, you know beyond the realm of comprehension that even half of this whole configuration, this 7,000 or so that continues to grow is made up of people who do not have the best kind of intentions for this country. Now, Ramos is with Martha McCallum and it's weird because they're walking, but, but buses are on the road aside of them. So we still don't know what the hell these people are doing. Like, are are they in buses or are they walking? And so we never see, for instance, and and, and Fox News has complained about this. I don't know why why Fox News just doesn't kind of uh, cover it too. but, But this doesn't seem like, it seems like every time there are camera opportunities and things, they are walking. And then somehow the buses are also making them 
go. The buses are driving them places because you can't, you know, James Woods did the math. I mean, you're 2,000 miles. Tegucigalpa, Honduras to the U.S. is 2,000 miles. And it would take you walking 20 miles a day, which would take you all day. It would take you a hundred days to to get there doing the math, unless you kind of speed walked or something. Unless they were all, you know, former mall walkers or whatever, and they just kind of came out and did that. But 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 take you a hundred days. And they're on a path to get to the border in less than ten. How's that happening? Like, how are they doing this? And, and when are they sleeping? And no, nobody's, it just seems like every time there's a TV presentation or a TV coverage, they just throw open the curtain and there they are. They're, they're, there's your central casting caravan, people. It just seems to me like they, we don't see them doing anything but performing at this point. I'm trying to figure out what the hell is uh, is happening here. So Jorge Ramos is on with Martha and they're they're having a decent discussion. It's it's not like it's, you know, a a battle and Jorge Ramos, you know, is has a style that doesn't make you hate him uh but because he's respectful and he does tend to kind of like get his point across. He doesn't seem like he's the worst guy in the world, but he's wrong uh, about a lot of things. But nonetheless, he and Martha McCallum have a discussion. Jorge Ramos, like this. Univision news anchor Univision. and the author of Real America. On it's okay, Martha. You can say Univision. It's fine. We 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 got we got you. We got you back on that. Book watch, uh, Jorge. Thank you very much for being here um, today. You know, I, I want a, a report today from the Washington Post. Great to be here. Said that glad to have you with us. Uh, that that many of the people that they talked to, that the Washington Post re- talked to, they told the reporters that they had already been deported several times. Yeah, one of them six times. And this is the Washington Post, by the way, doing the reporting on this. So good for them. On the United States, and that they were going to try to make it back in again. Many of them to try to meet up with family members. Um, they said that they would try to run in between the border guards at places that they know are porous along the United States border. And one of them was quoted as saying, that's how it is. They catch you and you try to get back. What, what, what kind of system is that? <laughs> They're on a delay, so that's why he's well, Taking maybe the they're out. only talking to people who speak English. Yes, I've, of course, I've talked to some of them. <laughs> <who have> been- <laughs> uh, that's possibly a good point, but uh, they're only talking to people who speak English. I, I, what, what does that mean? That automatically the people, only the people that speak English are the ones who are people who have been deported before? I don't really get deported, that. But the majority, ¿alguno de ustedes ha estado en Estados Unidos antes? I've stayed in the States. I've stayed in the States. None of them have been in the United States before. So some of them, yes, have been deported, mm-hmm. but the majority not, uh, Martha. And something really important is that the vast majority of these people are not criminals. They're not terrorists. And they're not even immigrants. They're refugees. And as a nation in the United States, we have to choose what kind of nation. By the way, how does he know that? How does he know that a vast majority of them are anything? And, and because we can't say that a vast majority of them are criminals, 
and, and I don't think anybody really has said said that. There are people within this group who might have bad intentions, but I, we've never said that if that we, – we don't know. Nobody really has done a count. So you have basically the battles of varying reporters who, depending on their point of view, you're going to get a vision of who these people are. And we don't have anybody really taking account or doing a survey or doing any kind of census. So if you're all for these guys and you hate Donald Trump, then everybody here is a wide-eyed, doe-eyed, coming to America, you know, South American, and you shall ask no other questions about it. But if you mistrust a thing like this, which I think that anybody with any kind of right mind looks at this thing, it it doesn't make any sense what's going on here. None of it, it adds up. So you have to wonder, okay, None of it adds up, so let's find out what adds up and what doesn't. So clearly there are some people in this group who are, you know, part of a contingent of people who really do want to come here. But then what about the other people? Let's look at the other we people. We are and treat them with respect. We, we cannot prejudge them. We cannot say all of them are, are criminals, all of them are rapists. That is not true. So what we have to do. But, but the media is prejudging them. All day long, the media has prejudged them all to have good motives, and 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 we just don't to know. Listen that. to them, hear their cases, and if they deserve political asylum, then grant it to them. Yeah, you know. First of all, that's not our policy. I mean, you, you 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 first you have to take them, and if they are going to come here, you detain them, waiting for some kind of immigration. Uh, judge or whatever, and you don't catch and then release them because they don't come back. And when I talked to uh, Jimmy Carafano yesterday about this, what's happening is oftentimes, or actually maybe it was the judge, who said that they come and they go to the hearings up until the point where they have the final hearing that determines whether or not they go home or not. And then they don't show up for for that one. So you have to do this in an orderly fashion and get these people uh, processed in an orderly fashion, or you just simply turn them away or seal the border. It kind of depends on what we determine these individuals to be. And again, as Vice President Pence pointed out, if they are indeed being funded by left-wing organizations down in Honduras and uh, Venezuela, apparently the opposition leader down there is, has something to do with this as well. If they are being funded by these people, then at that point, we have to essentially turn them away and just say we're not either close the border because there are members of the cartel involved and Reagan has done it before or go through a process. But Jorge Ramos believes that we should just simply grant them all refugee status. And that's not going to happen and shouldn't happen. There, according to one estimate by the Gallup World Poll, 57 million people in Latin America and the Caribbean would like to come to the United States. But you simply, I mean, do you do you recommend that they should all be allowed in? I mean, at what point is there, you know, a I mean, it, it, how, how is this going to work? Leave the border open. Everyone just out of the goodness of everyone's hearts. Welcome in 57 million people eventually. And I think there's this attitude among some people. And that's a good question by Martha, that somehow the United States, like everybody owns the United States. Everybody has a, has a piece of the United States. And that's just simply is, is not 
the case. Uh, the United States, yes, is a great country. The United States, yes, has done really great things for people and, and has done wonders for the world. And we have very little to apologize for how we have improved the world and how we have saved the world from nefarious individuals. And so I get that. But what is it about the United States that people decide that they own it or have a stake in it? The United States is not a is not just a blank canvas. And I'm, and I'm not quite sure why it's bad to say that and why that makes you xenophobic when you simply point out that, no, we don't belong to everybody. We, we're, we're a sovereign nation. We're, we're, still a, we're still a sovereign country. We still have borders and we still have laws. I don't see why that is so hard for people to get through their head about who we are and what we are. And we just don't belong to everybody. We're not a, we're not a commune. And, 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 and have we proven ourselves to be ecumenical and, and, and supportive of, of people around the world? Hell yeah. We don't have any uh, apologies to, to, to make for what, how we have worked and what we've done throughout the world. But again, we're not a camp. We're, we're not a commune. You don't, you don't have the right to come here. And there are people who are an implicit right to come here. Let's put it that way. And, and there are people who are more open bordery than, than others. And, and Judge Napolitano even said yesterday that, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little more uh, liberal when it comes to our borders. And there are people who do believe that there should be no such thing as borders and that kind of thing. But that's, but that's unfortunately not the case and, and never will be the case. And so we're not just a place where you can come and – and our door is open, and, and that's not a bad thing. It doesn't make us bad. And by the way, it, and, and does are we nationalistic about it? Uh, we should be. We should be proud of our country and proud of what we have accomplished here and proud of what we have. And in order to secure it and make sure it is vibrant and workable for the people who actually are current citizens here, we should strive to protect the interests of the people who are here legally. I just don't see how this is a this is an issue. I don't see how this is such a hard thing for people to understand. And yet apparently they don't. And Jorge Ramos believes that he owns this country just as much as you do. And that's just simply not the case. Coming up on the other half of this hour, we're going to be talking, by the way, about the latest numbers. And Nate Silver is saying that it's all but guaranteed that the House is going to be taken over by Democrats. We'll get to that in just a little bit. Nate Silver, though, has a spotty track record at best, and uh, I'll deal with that in in just a little bit. And plus, we had that race down in Florida with DeSantis and Gillum, which is kind of getting a little crazy. And uh, the debate was even wilder, so we'll get to that as well. But anyway, back to this concept of the U.S. just being open to everybody. We are not a commune. We are not a camp. We are a country. We have rules. We have laws. We have sovereignty. And it's not a bad thing for us to stand up for that. So uh, Martha McCallum points out, hey, all right, so 
you know, do a survey around the world, 57 million people want to come to this country. Does that mean they all should come here and, and increase our population 75%? No, uh, that's not the case. Jorge Ramos answers it thusly. No. So what, what, what do you recommend? No, I, 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 I'm not for open borders. I, I understand what you're saying, Martha, but I am not for open borders. I think that the immigration system that... We- Everybody I'm seeing behind Jorge Ramos, though, is a 20-something South or Central American or, according to the uh, Homeland Secu- Security, there, there's, there's probably some Middle Easterners in there, too. I don't know. North Africans. I don't see too many babies in baby carriages. Right now, it's simply not working. It's not working for everyone. Uh, Trump's immigration policy is a complete failure. It hasn't worked. Enforcement only it doesn't work. And what we need is a legal immigration system. We have one. That really works. Now, despite the optics, I know that if you are in the United States and you are watching this, right. you might think, oh, we're going to be invaded. That is not true. There's no invasion here. There's, there's a guy who just walked behind... Jorge Ramos with a Los Angeles Clippers shirt on. We're going to be invaded. That is not true. There's no- he, he's got a he's got a he's got a Los Angeles Clippers shirt on. Now again, uh, I'm it's not beyond the realm of comprehension that you're in Honduras and you'd have access to a Los Angeles Clippers shirt. I, I get that, but. This guy's wearing a Los Angeles clip. I'm, it's right. I'm, I'm watching this with my own eyes here. The guy wearing a Los Angeles Clipper shirt. Now, again, it's possible that they have. I mean, I've told you this before about people who you know, there are industries and organizations that take old clothing and people put it on the curbside and they go to or Goodwill uh, might or sometimes they'll, they'll sell bundles of clothing to these organizations that then turn around and sell the bundles of clothing to third world countries and make a mint on it, by the way. These people will spend a week's salary buying an old Pepsi shirt that you threw away. So it's possible that somewhere down there they have access to a Los Angeles Clipper shirt, uh, but but unlikely. I'm just telling you, some of these people just do not look like they are the the people that we're supposed to be imagining they are. Invasion here. We're talking about 7,000 right now, maybe a few thousand. In fact, I could, I could have a fun time just looking at all their, all their T-shirts. They've got, some, they've got better T-shirts. I'm here. I am wearing some my ghetto orange crush shirt on. These guys are better dressed than I am. More uh, uh, trying to cross the border between Mexico and Guatemala. Some of them are going to make it to Texas. Some of them are going to make it to California. But at the end, this is is the truth. There's only 11 million people in the United States who are undocumented. And that has remained stable. for Everybody passing him by is a 25-year-old Central South American male. I am seeing a woman now uh, coming up behind him. But everybody going by him, and they've they've all they're all basically they look like they are students at Berkeley University of California Berkeley. These people are just like they they look better dressed than than most Americans. 
I'm just telling you, they don't, or or at least equal to that. And I love how Ramos says, "Well, there are only 11 million uh, illegal people in the U.S." And, and Martha's like, "Yeah, only. What do you mean?" Last decade, Martha. Yeah, well, but the problem is that it's you know it's a law-breaking environment. <laughs> they, they've got uh, they've got umbrellas and and everything. I mean, they're just. Uh, they're, they're well prepared You're for this You're not allowed journey. to just cross the border. You're not allowed to go up and find the openings at the border where there's no border patrol agents and sneak your way through and, you know, put your foot on the property and then become the responsibility of the U.S. government. It simply doesn't work. And what, what's being asked is for oh, Latin great. America. One guy, one guy, okay. <laughs> now, now I see a guy who is wearing, here, let me get, let me get a little farther here. Okay, so he's got a. Hang on a second. Let me grab my readers here real quick. I'm going to see something real quickly because I've got. A, I think it was a Chicago Bulls athlete. I'm, I'm not sure. Oh, I think it was Chicago Bulls athlete. Let me check this out here. So, so this the, the one guy behind him now, Ramos. You guys should see the clip. I'll put the clip up there on. Um, I'll, I'll give. Uh, I'll give. I'll send the clip over to. Uh, it's actually it's actually on Breitbart. You can check it out. So he's got a. At first, it looked like a Chicago Bulls hat, and I can't tell what the symbol is on there though. But he's 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 uh, walking by Ramos, and he's got his face covered. He looks like just another one of these Antifa thugs. I'm not saying that he is, but what I'm saying is, why are you why are you migrating to the U.S. with your face covered by a shirt or a scarf or whatever it happens to be. Why are you migrating to the U.S. with your face covered? Where Where is that coming? Where is that coming into play in the old Statue of Liberty vibe? By the way, how many people came over to the U.S. Uh, from... Italy and Germany and Ireland and came through Ellis Island with their faces covered. Can you tell me this? Oh, we're all immigrants. These are just like the immigrants of the day uh, back in the day. How many people came across through Ellis Island with their faces covered? So really all you have to do is 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 play the Martha McCallum interview, watch the interview and don't pay attention as much to Jorge Ramos as you do with the people walking behind him. And every single one of these guys, and I'm talking about 98% of these individuals, 98% of them are 20-something South American, Central American, and if we believe the Department of Homeland Security numbers, uh, North African, maybe even Middle Eastern men. I saw two women. Right when the interview started, there was somebody with a baby carriage, which quite possibly was just kind of waiting for the start of the interview. Because I haven't seen a baby carriage since. But they're all 20-something South American, Central American males. Now, I understand that uh, to a certain degree, those might be the people who would likely then be looking for work or 
have the physical strength to make the trip or what have you. I, I mean, I, I get all that. But these are these are not the teeming, hungry, dehydrated masses that most of the American media are portraying them to be. Uh, to his credit, Jorge Ramos isn't trying to pretend he's one of them. And you know, we had we had yesterday we had the news media people like walking with them and <sighs> they want water and they're, oh, they're just like you know, it's like come on, dude. Stop it with the with the theatrics. But yeah, the one guy walking behind him uh, has his face covered, and I'm just telling you how much how much sympathy is a guy with his face covered going to engender as Americans watch this kind of thing on television? To to take their share of the burden and to manage this problem and perhaps to find a way to improve their own economy so that everybody doesn't want to flood out. I I agree with you, and I think uh, Mexico has. There's a guy with a uh, with a Nike Air hat on. He's 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 walking this on way. On his part, uh, President Peña Nieto. He's an older guy. Uh, unfortunately, uh, for many immigrants, Mexicans and Central Americans, um, the Mexican police has become uh, Trump's immigration police. That's the truth. Well, no, the Mexican police have tried to help us keep these people from invading the U.S. Because the Mexican police understand that Mexico has a vested interest in helping us and being uh, decent and 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 trying to be law abiding. Here's another guy. Uh, Many we watched do the not fence. Agree with that. No, hold no. on, hold on. Here's, an, here's another guy coming up behind Jorge Ramos, who is covering his face. The fence between Guatemala and Mexico. And, and, and he's not covering his face as if initially you look at it and go, oh, maybe he's wiping the sweat off his face. No. The guy's walking by Jorge Ramos, covering his face. So, 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 so far in a span of about one minute and a half, I've seen two of these twenty-something South American and Central American guys, who apparently are the hungry, teeming masses that the Statue of Liberty is supposed to be inviting here, covering their faces. In a span of about 45 seconds. Why is that? What, 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 why are these people covering their faces? Does anybody have any kind of clue as to why a Central American or South American person would be coming over to the United States uh, insinuating somehow that they're refugees or they're this or they're that, uh, covering their faces? Overrun. No. It doesn't appear that no, there was any attempt no. what, what by the I'm Mexican police that, to really handle yeah, The guy's pretending like he's wiping his face, but for the entirety of the time he's on camera, he's got his face covered. That's bullcrap, people. And, and, and anybody you ask, ask Joy Behar, ask Whoopi Goldberg, ask any of these other idiots who are defending this caravan. Ask them today when you see them why you're seeing people with their faces covered. And thank God for Univision because at least we're seeing it. You know, they're, not, they're not you know trying to hide the people. 
Because I guarantee you, people covering their faces uh, who are wind up on CBS, NBC, or ABC cameras never make it, never make it to the broadcast that day. They don't. Mexican police, Mexican police try to prevent. Well, it doesn't seem like Mexican the police task, try then. to prevent. Uh, some immigrants to pass by and you know immigration is fluid and instead of going through a bridge they use the river and here they are so it didn't work and president peña nieto tried to become trump's police and just simply didn't work what president trump is trying to do right now why doesn't he be mexican i'm more fascinated by the people behind him now i'm seeing a really a, a, a chevy truck that most of you could could see as a fairly good-looking truck. I mean, this is like a this is like a brand new Chevy pickup truck. It's it looks like it's I don't know I'm not familiar with the brands, but it's a uh, it's work. And it's President a, Peña Nieto tried to become Trump's police and just simply didn't work. What President Trump is trying is to do no, right a, now? Why does no? That's that's a that's a Ford truck. That's a Ford. That that's that's like an F one fifty, and it's and it's and it's basically a brand new F one fifty. Mexican police. Why, why not Mexico's with, with with like really expensive tires and everything else? This Guatemala. is your problem. I'm it's sorry. It's the worst he can do because let me just finish this and I'll let you talk. Okay. Uh, simply I, because we, we simply because if you put more pressure on Central America. More people like this are going to try to come to the United States. Right. So he's 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 saying no, you can't. You shouldn't take away you know, funding of these countries or anything else to get them uh, to fall in line. And the other question I have, too, is, uh, first of all, again, everybody passing behind Jorge Ramos here is a 20-something man. And and those who pass by them in vehicles look like ISIS traveling around the Middle East. They're they're in these brand-new friggin' trucks, Ford trucks, and they're also carrying... The flags from their countries as if they're in the damn Olympics or something. None of this makes any sense. Yeah, well, uh, you know, obviously there's a there's a big problem with the economy and with the Mexican ability. It's not Trump's police. I mean, Mexico has its own police department. They have a responsibility. Boy, I wish I could see what these hats are, but they're really. Ability to deal. They, you guys, in Mexico, they deport tens of thousands of people every year back across that border. But let me ask you this. In terms of the, the people that are coming now, the caravan, which just keeps growing and growing, why, why now? Why now? How, why did this all come to pass and this group growing in numbers by the day? Why now? So we've got a group of people now coming behind Jorge Ramos who have uh, a Mexican flag. And I, don't, I don't see any American flags. Apparently, you can get an L.A. Clippers T-shirt and a Nike Air hat and a Mexican flag and a Honduran flag, but you can't get an American flag anywhere. Interesting. Well, I think um, it has to do, it started with social media, as it, it would happen in any other part of the world. And it's so interesting because... One, one guy just passed him by wearing a U.S. Army t-shirt. He just passed, he just passed him by wearing an Army t-shirt. I didn't see any conspiracy here. Uh, or any- uh, this guy has, who just passed him by carrying the uh, Mexican flag, is wearing a camouflage hat that doesn't have any insignia on it, 
and a Hollister surfing T-shirt. That's the Mexican flag and then the Hollister surfing T-shirt. Pollution or Democrats or Republicans participate in this? Absolutely not. What has happened is that once people in Central America, especially in Honduras, once they learn... There's, there's, there's another guy. He's wearing an Adidas T-shirt, which is good because apparently he's protesting Colin Kaepernick. Not. But he's got an Adidas T-shirt. And then yet one more person. This is, this is, the, this is the third time... In basically a minute and a half, the third time I have seen an individual with his face covered. The third time. Now, it'd be different if it was just like one guy even. I'm I'm not quite sure it would be that different, but one guy. But this is the third time within a span of i'm trying to get the get the time here let's see a minute two well i mean you you get the picture i've been on for a while but 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 this is the third time within a span and i got i've started and stopped the tape the third time within a span of about a minute and a half to two minutes because i've been stopping and starting it that i've seen a guy with his face covered and again show me the Immigration lines in Ellis Island or anywhere else show me people who have their faces covered. Tell me why individuals would have their faces covered. Do you, do, do, does anybody, can anybody conjecture as to why some of these individuals have their faces covered? They decided to join for two reasons. For safety. They This guy, this guy has an a, a, it has adrenaline on the Not on the risking. shirt. This guy has a uh, a never mind t shirt on. Uh, being raped or being vandalized on their way from Central- uh, number four. Number four of a face covered guy. Number four. We've been in an interview with Jorge Ramos here that spans five minutes, so far has spanned five minutes and 56 seconds. So even if you really wanted to boil it all down, in an interview with Martha McCallum, in, in, in a span of five minutes and 56 seconds, which I can do on the clock here, there have been four individuals passing him by. And by the way, these are the, the people passing by him are not passing by him in groups of 20, 25, or whatever. These, they, they look like a sparse group, number of people who are walking by him. And, and, and so they're, they're coming in twos and threes, it looks like. So in a span of five minutes and 56 seconds, you've had four people who have covered their faces. One guy, this this guy has his face covered with his hat, which is tilted down, his Adidas hat, and a, and a T-shirt kind of clutched around his neck, kind of like he's he's, but he's clearly hiding his face. Four people in a span of five minutes and fifty six seconds. Why why isn't anybody else watching these reports and and seeing what's going on here? What what is where is everybody? in trying to figure out who these people are. And when you try to, uh, when people try today in your office or you talk to, try to make this out to be like, this is just another migration, just like in the old days, uh, I wouldn't buy it. 
Ask him why you, why you, along with Jamie Allman on Radio Free Allman, in a span of five minutes and 56 seconds, saw four 20-something South American, Central American dudes, if they are that, uh, in terms of South American, Central American, covering their faces. Why? Jorge Ramos actually turns right around to the guy and, and, and doesn't say, hey, why, why are you covering your face? America to the United States. And then it has to do with money, Martha, simply money. If you live in Honduras or Guatemala and you want to go to the United States, you got to pay a, a coyote or a smuggler, mm-hmm. maybe $6,000, maybe up to $7,000. But if you are part of this caravan, you won't pay anything. So I think it has to do with uh, safety and it has to do with money. And that's what we have right now, about 7,000 people in Mexico already and a few thousand more waiting at the Guatemala border. Yeah. <laughs> One guy behind him just like littered through something out. But anyway, so that, that's, that's what we're seeing here. That, that's your group of people. Now, again, yesterday, Mike Pence indicated, and, and this is the vice president, by the way. So I guess maybe, what, what is the vice president out there lying to everybody? These guys have intelligence on all this stuff that's been going on. And clearly, this is something that isn't as organic as everybody thought it was. And all you have to do is look at that tape, the Breitbart tape, the Jorge Ramos interview with Martha McCallum. And you can see what's going on here in a span of five minutes and 56 seconds. uh, You got a guy, you got four guys covering their faces. And I'm sorry. That doesn't engender any kind of trust into who these people are. And the fact of the matter is Mike Pence yesterday said that they believe that Honduran left-wing organizations funded in part also by Venezuelan political operations are the ones who are funding this or at least partially funding this operation and that they have evidence that there are individuals, this is Department of Homeland Security, from North African and Middle Eastern countries in this group. Already we established yesterday that there were members of uh, the cartels within the group as well, which by itself is a reason to close the border since Ronald Reagan did it uh, in 1985. So, folks, there you have it. There you are. Do we, need any, do, we, do we need any more evidence that at the very least more questions need to be asked about this whole thing? Jimmy Hoft is on the way. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Live from the Discovery Design Studios, the Discovery Design Truck Care and Manufacturing Studios, it is our national anthem.
Don't wait. The Fed has raised interest rates. That means your minimum credit card payments are going up. Don't let that happen to you. This is James Hawkins of Golden Oak Lending. Now's the time to consolidate your debt. Home values are up, and you can use the smart cash in your home to pay off debt or get rid of expensive PMI. Smart cash is the difference between what you owe and the new value of your home. And Golden Oak still has fixed rates in the threes. Call 567-GOLD. NMLS 1149-37. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the Discovery Design Studios, Discovery Design Truck Care and Manufacturing, DDTruckUSA.com. That's where you're going to find it. Straight ahead, we've got uh, Jimmy Hoff, the Gateway Pundit. Thank you to Michael Proctor. Proctor spelled like doctor. ProctorDrapery.com. Had a conversation with uh, Matt off the air when he came in, and we're going to we're get eventually some kind of uh, we're going to get some kind of uh, video sharing operation for you. But say, well, uh, is there a possibility people are covering their faces because of dust? It's and it's zero percent. Uh, they're on a road where you're just watching Volkswagen Passats and Ford F-150s traveling by in Mexico. It looks like it's looks like it's Arnold. And there's no reason for them to be covering their faces. Jimmy Hoff's going to tell us that uh, even some of the people within the group are saying that criminals are traveling with them so one of the guys in the screenshot there's wearing a Denver Broncos shirt they certainly have fan- they don't have access to the US but they sure as hell have access to <laughs> to uh, all of our stuff LA Clippers shirts Nike you know, it's, it's, it's a global thing I guess right you see what Jim Acosta did the yesterday? He uh, decided he was going to ask, uh, and and President Trump has been really good to Acosta, uh, patient with him, by the way, because uh, he's like, well, you you mean what what you what you really mean is that you're a you're a white nationalist? Is that what you, is that what you're saying? And at that point, you'd think you know lesser people. Would have would have told them to, to, to just take a hike, but uh, President Trump, you know, of course, uh, gamely answers the question. Here you go. Very soon. Yes, go ahead. President, just to follow up on your comments about being a nationalist, there is a concern that you are sending coded language for a dog whistle. Yeah. It's funny because Jim Acosta says, "You know, Mr. President, there's a concern that you're using coded language." Now, 
if you're President Trump and you and you wanted to kind of get involved in some kind of argument or discussion or whatever with Jim Acosta and kind of take him on, you're sitting there in the Oval Office. If you really wanted to have a discussion, the discussion I would like to have with Acosta is, so uh, where is that concern coming from? Who has that concern, Jim? Is it you who has the concern or is it your producer? Is it your cameraman? Like who whose concern is it that uh, I'm using a coded language or a dog whistle? But President Trump lets him get away well, with it. Okay. about being a nationalist, there is a concern that you are sending coded language or a dog whistle I've never even heard that. I cannot imagine that. Yeah, he's just like, I, I, didn't, I didn't hear that I was dog whistling or I was using coded language that I'm a white nationalist. And again, President Trump is too polite to, to, to press him and get into an argument. The problem when you, when you do something like that is you wind up uh, getting involved in something where you're dignifying the the question and and you're starting to bring Acosta onto your level and you might as well continue just to kind of treat him like he's just simply that little dog nipping at your pants leg instead of actually getting down there in the mire with him. And so otherwise that kind of question should be asked. Like, what do you mean there is some are concerned? Cause whenever I've told you this before, whenever the reporters or anchors or whatever say, some say, it usually means either they're saying it or their uh, people in their newsroom are saying it. Because uh, the some say, if you get right down to it, isn't like the man on the street. Because the man on the street isn't saying that. Anyway, President Trump answers the question gamely. Though. You mean, I say, I'm a nationalist. No, I never heard that theory about being a nationalist. I've heard them all. But I'm somebody. I've never heard that theory. Good for him. Loves our country. When I say a nationalist, I don't like it when Germany's paying 1% of GDP for NATO, and we're paying 4.3%. I don't like that. That's not fair. I don't like it when, as an example, we're protecting uh, Europe, and we're paying for almost the entire cost of NATO. We're paying for a very, very substantial portion, far greater than what it should be. Uh, We have great respect for those countries, but on top of that, I don't like it when they put up barriers to our farmers, where our farmers cannot sell into Europe. They have trade barriers that make it, you guys know it better than anybody. They have trade barriers that are as severe as China's trade barriers. You'd almost think that Jim Acosta actually is as obnoxious as he is, that he asked a question that President Trump was able to knock out of the park and talk for two and a half minutes about real policy. So Jim Acosta is kind of in a weird kind of way doing President Trump a favor by asking him a super dumb question. And then President Trump answers with a super smart answer that that involves policy. And isn't it so nice to actually have somebody who is the adult in the room explain what nationalism really is and and what, what a nationalist policy or an America first policy really is. And it gave President Trump a good, good, good way, a good vehicle to go ahead and explain that. So, uh, so thank you, uh, Mr. Acosta. I appreciate that. We're coming down. They want to make a deal very badly. They'll be coming down. But I am very proud of our country. We cannot continue to allow what's happened to our country to continue to happen. We can't let it happen. So I'm proud. I'm proud of our country. 
And I am a nationalist. It's a word that hasn't been used too much. Some people use it, but I'm very proud. I think it should be brought back. I'm somebody that wants to help other countries of the world, but I also have to take care. We have to take care of our country. We cannot continue to allow ourselves to be duped on military and also duped on trade. Can you imagine there are people out there who are offended by this language, by this talk? They're they're so geared on and hell-bent on making sure that America isn't first and that somehow we continue on with these policies that throw people under the bus. I mean, I'm talking about economically. How could you not support fair trade? How could you possibly believe that? That that's that that's a bad policy, pursuing fair trade and an America first policy when you're an American. I don't I don't see how that can be possibly be a problem for people. With the European Union as an example, last year on trade. We By the way, I remember being in college, and this was in the early '80s, uh, and it was even then an issue because. They, people, I remember, I remember in class, I don't know which class it was, but it was up in Madison, Wisconsin, which is a very liberal, liberal town, liberal uh, campus. And when you used the word America, they didn't like you using the word America because it wasn't precise enough. So, so using the word America was like co-opting South America and all of North America. And it was, uh, too highfalutin, too full of yourself if you use the term America. You believe that? I remember being told that back in the day and how, yeah, don't use the term America because otherwise, because there's South America and there's North America. And so just to say that this is America really isn't precise enough because it really isn't America. It's the United States of America. Like, all right. Thank you. Can I have another beer, please? Yeah, thank you. $151 billion. On top of that, we lost hundreds of billions of dollars. On- Oops. Sorry, I Siri. don't know what you mean by... It doesn't, doesn't matter. Oops. It doesn't matter. I, I don't want you... I don't want you... I don't need to talk to you. God, Siri, obnoxious. Protection. So we protect and we get killed. We, we do the trading and they get killed. Can't do it. I want it to be fair. So I want them to open their borders. I want them to make it fair for our farmers, our, our companies. Why? Our medical companies. They sell medical equipment. They just put restrictions on a year and a half ago where the medical equipment can't get into Europe, even though it's better than what they have. So they have to treat us well. All I want our country is to be treated well, to be treated with respect. For many years, other... And Jim Acosta doesn't want to hear any of this. He just wanted to talk about white nationalism and racism and everything else. And here he is getting attacked. Getting, he's getting a fact enema from President Donald J. Trump. And, and he doesn't like that. Countries that are allies of ours, so-called allies, they have not treated our country fairly. So in that sense, I am absolutely a nationalist, and I'm proud of it. Good, good for, good for. Uh, thank you, Jim Acosta. For I mean, seriously, in kind of a backhanded way, old uh, old Jimmy gave the president uh, quite a quite quite an opportunity there. Let's get to uh, the Gateway Pundit, Jimmy Hoff, and see how he's doing. <whistles> see if I'm waking him up early. Maybe I am. 
Good morning. Hey, good morning, Jimmy Hoff, the Gateway Pundit. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Jamie. Good to be with you this morning. I was just uh, playing the soundbite from the Jim Acosta confrontation with the president where he said that uh, some say you're using a dog whistle by calling yourself a nationalist. Are you really white nationalist? And then suddenly Donald Trump presents Acosta with a fact enema about what nationalism is. And it was a really a good answer. I actually kind of in a backhanded way have to thank Jim Acosta for asking the question because we got a two and a half minute really great answer from the president. So it worked out pretty well. And then before that, I was playing uh, some sound from a piece of video with Martha McCallum and Jorge Ramos uh, about these this caravan. And within a span of five minutes and 50 seconds, I counted four individuals who were covering their faces as they walked by the TV mm-hmm. cameras. <laughs> yeah. They have nothing to hide, huh? Isn't no, that right, exactly. I mean, they're they're walking wow. along. They're walking walking along a highway. It looks like it's like you know, Highway 21 here in in St. Louis, and uh, they're walking along a highway, and yeah, they're they're covering their faces with either they look like they're they're members of Antifa for crying out loud. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, they'll make great citizens, I'm sure. You yeah. know, but you, uh, if they're hiding their faces already. Yeah, you've got a so, piece of video that's up there. amazing, though, about, Ac- about Acosta. Um, the fact that Trump, you know, we've known he was America first, but the fact now that the left is going to the sewer and saying that being pro-America is uh, white nationalism, it's, it's pretty sickening, really, where the left is gone. So uh, that's good to hear. I, I missed that clip on Trump. I was uh, I actually went to Asia. I traveled to Asia for a week, so I'm I'm getting back and uh, getting caught up and seeing that things are looking actually pretty good so far. We put up a post this morning, Jamie, uh, with uh, some early results. It shows Republicans are way up ahead of their 2016 numbers. Yeah. So uh, uh, we'll see what happens. Well, so so you have you have uh, been around the block in terms of monitoring polls and and analytics, even when 2016 came along. And Nate Silver apparently is back. And uh, Nate (laughs) Silver is now declaring that there's an 84% chance that the Democrats are going to take over the House. This is Nate Silver. It's my understanding Nate Silver hasn't always been entirely accurate, correct? Right. Well, I I looked at this yesterday, and it was was disappointing to see that Matt Drudge had – made this uh, 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 one of his uh, flashing alarms on his site, you know, his breaking news uh, sirens, um, that Nate Silver said, uh, you know, the Democrats have an 86% chance now of taking the House. And and the numbers continue to look good because today we were were reporting just the opposite. Um, But I looked back in 2016, Nate was... uh, bragging after the election that he said Hillary had only uh, 80% chance, 72 to 80% chance of winning the election. And so he did better than the New York Times. So that's, how, that's where he was bragging in 2016. So, you know, so he was pretty far off in 2016. He also had Hillary picking up 305 electoral votes and Donald Trump with 235 electoral votes. Pretty far off, I'd say, in 2016, Jamie. 
And so uh, I don't, uh, you know, I don't think he's redeemed himself. We haven't had any major elections since then. But um, he's, uh, you know, he's saying this, uh, you know, eighty-six uh, percent chance that Democrats are going to take the House. We just put up some numbers this morning. I'm working on another post where five key races for Republicans. They're all swinging Republican right now. And one of the races is this Barbara Comstock is always in a tight race in Virginia. And she's tied up the race now. Uh, and even a couple races that they have lean Democrat now are tied up or the Republican has pulled ahead. So I think things look pretty good. And I, I, I have to tell you, Jamie, these uh, images of these migrants, you know, these entitled uh, illegal aliens marching to America, demanding that we take care of them and pay for them for the next 20 years is uh, I, I don't think that's going to help Democrats much. No, I mean, especially if they look at this video, uh, it's on Breitbart if you want to take a look at it yourself. It's, it's the Jorge Ramos interview with Martha McCallum. I mean, we're seeing basically the makeup of this crowd behind them. I think there was one baby carriage that started off the interview, and then they disappeared. So that apparently was waiting for the interview to start. Then the rest of the people walking behind him were just a bunch of 25-year-old look like South Americans, whatever, I don't know, uh, Central Americans, what have you, wearing uh, Hollister surfing T-shirts, L.A. Clippers T-shirts, Nike hats, Adidas hats. And, uh, one was wearing a, a U.S. Army shirt, four of them covering their faces, all expecting us to turn into a commune all of a sudden here in the U.S. And again, to your point, that's not going to go over very well with people who are looking at this because we're, we're supposed to be uh, – the, the networks, I guarantee you not one of these people covering their faces made it uh, on the network shows unless, of course, they happen to be live and, and, and caught in the crossfire there. Because if there was any actual tape of these people with their faces covered, uh, they, they would not be – they would not make air. I mean they're, tr they're trying to – put across to us that this is somehow a bunch of downtrodden teeming mass families who are coming here seeking relief from flying bullets in Honduras. And it just doesn't look like that's the case. And in fact, uh, Vice President Pence yesterday said uh, there's information they have that a lot of this is being funded by some left-wing political groups in Honduras and Venezuela. Yeah. Yeah, that that wouldn't surprise us. It wouldn't surprise us if we found out that there was uh, uh, American money behind this this uh, this whole thing. It's it's very interesting that it happens just now, weeks before the election. I'm not sure who was the brainchild behind this, thinking this was going to be good for uh, you know Democrats, because I'm sure this was all planned. Uh, Jamie, this isn't just an accident that they pu they pulled this stunt now. You know. Uh, right before the election, I think they thought this would help Democrats. Yeah. And I think it's just going to backfire. I mean, again, this is why Trump won in 2016, because people had had enough of this lawlessness. And uh, again, it looks like uh, they, Democrats have fallen into the same trap and uh, and making the same mistakes. And I don't think Americans have changed that much since 2016. And unfortunately, I don't think this is over quite yet. I think once uh, they reach the border, uh, there will be people who are then dispatched, and I think purposely, to cause violence and to cause trouble and to bait the 
military forces or whoever's going to be on the border waiting for them into acting in a way that will appear to be oppressive. And I think so. So I, I don't think this is over. And and clearly, as you point out, it this had to be planned because otherwise, if it were not planned, somebody must, would have done the same calculations that James Woods did showing that, okay, so you have a 2,000-mile trek from Tegucigalpa, Honduras, to the U.S. border. If you walk 20 miles a day, which would take you pretty much all day, uh, it would still take you 100 days to reach the U.S. border, and it appears they're now pretty much close to it. Uh, Yesterday they were 1,000 miles away, and and so, so there's something going on here where uh, they're moving at a at a huge clip for for just these for for, a, for what's supposed to be a teeming mass of migrants trekking two thousand miles. It's it, they're gonna they're they're somehow gonna make it to to uh, the U.S. by this weekend. Yeah, that's insane, huh? Isn't that something? Uh, they're getting rides by some somebody, and there's always that big train you see pictures of them loading up on that train, yeah. you know, uh, and, and, and piling in that way too. So, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. Well, it's it, just, I think it's insanity. Most people watching this, I can't believe people would be <laughs> cheering. This is as, as a good thing for America. Yeah. Because it, it's just, it's not the storybook they they're trying to make it. And in fact, in the Jorge Ramos tape, uh, you can see buses with their hazard lights on, uh, just driving alongside of these people, so that so that you see these big, uh, what look like you know, trailways buses or Greyhound buses with their hazards on that are driving up the road alongside the people. I it just it doesn't. This does not make any sense at all. Like they're like the buses are waiting for them to for the cameras hmm. to go off and for them to climb back onto the buses. It's this is like this is like a a, a Broadway production here. So anyway, back to your wow, absolutely. Uh, back to your point about the election. So we saw in in North Dakota. Here's one little bellwether. And North Dakota is not you know a liberal state by any stretch, but Heidi Heitkamp is now down 16 points in in the polling places against her Republican opponent. 16 points, and I realize wow. she made some huge mistake up there regarding uh, name divulsion, but nonetheless. And then you had Barack Obama. The frowny-faced, angry Barack Obama out there who couldn't even pack in. They, they, they had to kind of like – didn't they have to – you have a post up here where they had to kind of like put a, hmm. put a partition up or something uh, to make it look like there were more people at the event than, than there were, correct? Yeah. Yeah, this was pathetic. Obama played in uh, Las Vegas this week. Um, he's still out on the campaign trail, which, again, don't forget, Jamie – this is something that's unprecedented for a former president to be out on the campaign trail during the next, during, you know, the following administration's, uh, you know, midterms, no president's ever done this only Barack Obama, because of course he never honored any of the traditions that makes this country great. Uh, he had no problem, you know, breaking rules and breaking traditions. And, and we saw spying on Trump, you know, um, that's still going on. We, we know that he did that too. So, uh, anyway, Obama's back out on the campaign trail this week. He's in Vegas. He was uh, he was campaigning with the woman out there. She's running for Senate. She's the one who had said she was a business owner, and they found out that this woman never owned a business, never paid employees, never right. filed taxes for a business, right? 
So Obama's out with this woman trying to salvage her campaign. And they, he's in this pavilion where they did have to partition it off because they didn't have enough people to fill this place. And we looked for it. You know, Jamie, here's the thing, too, with the media. Um, I used to read stories like this uh, that were coming from Venezuela when Chavez was in power there and how the media played these tricks to make it look like it was a packed auditorium. They did the same thing with Hillary in 2016. They'd, they'd load, uh, they'd put everybody behind her and make it look like there was this massive crowd and massive enthusiasm to see Hillary. But then we'd always find the pictures at the front of the crowd for the <laughs> five or ten, five, five rows maybe of people, and that was it. Um, it was the same thing with Obama this week. They packed a whole bunch of people behind him to make it look like everybody's fired up and excited to see Barack. But then we found pictures of him coming up on the stage. That place was empty. <laughs> There's like five, six rows of people. You can see the curtain in the background. I put up one picture there. Right. And, of course, the media never, ever, ever, Jamie, is going to report this for Democrats. Never. Right? And they always, in my experience, I've been blogging for 14 years now, uh, they always diminish Republican numbers. They always say, always, always say, that there's less Republicans that are at an event than there are. And they always elevate Democrat numbers. It's something you would see out of Chavez, Venezuela. Um, so Obama comes on this stage. The people are cheering. We found the pictures. And it's just a pathetic crowd. This is where he's taking credit again for the Trump economy. It's such a joke. This guy is so pathetic. And uh, we put up a couple pictures from inside that place. But they partitioned it off. Um, not a very big turnout for, for calling in Obama. And by the way, Jamie, they, they even had some musical acts, Salt and Peppa, who <laughs> showed up beforehand, really? you know, to get, to get, bring people in and they still couldn't pl- pack the place. Salt and Pepper still a musical act. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they had Salt and Pepper, Jay Balvin, um, DJ Spinderella and DJ D miles. We're all there beforehand to draw a crowd in, and uh, they couldn't. They couldn't quite do it. Wow, that is, uh, yeah. Because I thought that the news media generally was uh, obsessed with crowd numbers whenever President Trump is around, and yet they're they're, they're really oh, yeah. they're, they're not at all uh, concerned in any way, shape, or form with the crowd numbers uh, for President Obama. Uh, speaking of right. uh, other, but, but that is interesting. One last thing, yeah. Jamie. They also will never tell you. They never tell you this. You have to find it out from a conservative, you know, website or someone who who's, who says they also have musical acts come in to make these crowds look huge. Democrats notoriously do this, and the media notoriously always omits this fact when they report on the event. Yeah, so you got to figure that that the of the, of the fifteen hundred to two thousand people there, right? Uh, a certain percentage of them were just there to see Salt and Pepper. <laughs> I, 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 I guess. I mean, this is the only thing I could I could possibly uh, I could possibly think of. And then, uh, and I'll get to this a little later on. But apparently, uh, President Obama has changed his mind on a number of different levels. Uh, one regarding. Uh, whether or not women ought to be in charge, because he didn't feel that way in 2008, and also on immigration, where the president has been uh, trolling him significantly. You also have a post up here, uh, Jimmy, that, that's interesting. And by the way, 
you've only been blogging for 14 years? Yeah, it's been 14 years. That's wow. quite a while, I think. It yeah. has been, yeah. But but to tell you the truth, um, your success has been just uh, amazing. And, and I'm, I'm just so impressed that it, it, it just in 14 years' Thanks, time, uh, you've managed to really uh, – really just make a huge impact on uh alternative media and i'm just uh i'm 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 very Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, very very happy for you so when you mentioned that i was like yeah that's right just it's only been 14 years and yet you have really honestly uh uh made a huge mark on 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 it. and and right now you're aren't you like ranked one of the uh one of the one of the like top websites in the country now um, you know, after the 2016 election, Harvard came out with a study and Columbia Journalism Review came out with a study. They both had us uh, at the number fourth most influential conservative website, conservative publisher in the country in 2016. And uh, so I haven't seen any new numbers since then, but we're generally up in the top 10 for conservative publishers. Uh, but again, Jamie, we found a market where there, a market where people wanted the truth. <laughs> right know? on, man. They didn't want the liberal spin, and uh, so we filled a, a niche that uh, that uh, people, you know, wanted to hear more of, and uh, that was the truth. And so uh, that's why we've done pretty well over the over the past fourteen years. Well, very, very impressive. All right, so one more thing with Gateway Pundit, uh, GatewayPundit dot com. You have also have a post up there. That uh, Hillary Clinton, Tom Fitton over there at Judicial Watch has said that uh, they have they have made a specific request that Hillary Clinton actually go under oath to answer some question. What's that? What's that all about? Well, you know, this is uh, I think this is very hopeful for America. Um, the fact that Hillary Clinton got away with so much that was just obviously, you know, we saw all these actions that were, you know, unlawful. And I'm not an attorney, and uh, but most Americans saw she she was breaking the law when she set up this home server, when she was sending these uh, emails from all over the place. She she'd uh, break all the rules um, where you know she had to sign documents saying she was going to follow the rules for government and, and uh, being very careful with government documents. She never was. She she passed them around like uh, you know. Uh, like nothing was top secret. And, and we found out a lot of this, these documents were top secret. So she's gotten off the hook. Uh, and she, as she has for years and years, the Clinton has never, the Clintons have never really been held to account. Um, but Tom Fenton is like, he, he's, he's not ready to let her walk away yet. He's, uh, uh, called on her. Uh, they want to have her come in and, and testify because she's still going after her for her uh, email exchange, and uh, they want to see some justice there. So great, good for Tom Fent. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, I, I'm 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 impressed, and uh, the Judicial Watch continues to do some really uh, fantastic work. So, all right, Jimmy. Well, well, thanks a lot, and folks, make sure you you know again. One of the great things about the Gateway Pun is like if you went to Drudge. You'd see him, and, and Judge does some good work, and sometimes we'll post Jimmy's stuff too. Uh, but but you, you'll see the promotion of this Nate Silver uh, analysis. But uh, Jimmy at the Gateway Pundit has an entirely different set of analyses uh, regarding this mythical blue wave. And so I encourage you to check it out at gatewaypundit.com. And, uh, well, I'll, I'll walk you out with some... Uh, Spinderella cut it up one time. With some... Ooh. 
salt and pepper. How about that for you, Jimmy? Jimmy Bob. <laughs> All right, buddy. All right, man. Well, thanks for right, time. Thanks, All right, it's Jim Hoffa. Okay. The Gateway Pundit. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> Good morning this morning. We are live from the Discovery Design Truck Care and Manufacturing Studios. You got to give uh, Salt and Pepper credit, though. They're not they're not half bad. I mean, they. It's not bad. It's, all, it's, it's just got '90s written all over it, but. This is this is this is uh, was considered like a oh my goodness we shouldn't play that but, but this was also back in the day when they had uh, groups like Two Live Crew and uh, <laughs> uh, and that was when like Al Gore's wife was going crazy over the uh, musical lyrics. It was back in the early nineties. I had I have the actual I have the original uh, vinyl of uh, <laughs> two live crews album. I don't know why I have it. I, c- I couldn't, you know, I didn't really play it. Uh, somehow, uh, somehow I wasn't grooving to uh, face down blank up. That's that particular song, but two live crew. Yeah. Those were the days people crazy. Hey, coming up. Stanley McChrystal, uh, the former U.S. Army general, I've had actually the pleasure of actually meeting him and at the Powell Hall Speaker Series, the Maryville University Speaker Series. Well, now he's talking about how he's he has torn up, threw away his prized portrait of Robert E. Lee. It's like, really, dude? I mean, really? So we're going to talk about that. And also... President Trump is just totally trolling Obama on this immigration issue. This thing has gone nuts. Yesterday, Shepard Smith was uh, obviously Shepard Smith acts like he's just basically running against President Trump. Speaking of running against President Trump, Flake, we just can't get rid of this guy. Every time you turn around, there he is on these news programs. And it's like and and he's got his. uh, Flake has this really weird kind of uh, Ronald Reagan type of mannerism that he's totally faking, you know? Uh, That little uh, droopy eyebrow, droopy eyed kind of like, well, well, well. It's kind of like, really, dude? I mean, you're no Ronald Reagan. Stop it. So we have uh, President Trump. Going on the uh, on Twitter and and decided he's going to troll not only uh, Barack Obama but also Hillary Clinton on this whole immigration thing. And so, uh, yes, last night President Trump decides he's going to post a video on his uh, on his Twitter account, and it's uh, and it's it's Barack Obama when he was a, a Democratic senator from Illinois. There's a lot. There's a lot from Barack Obama when he was Democrat senator of Illinois. I just want to tell you, and but this one is a gem. We are a generous and welcoming people here in the United States, but those who enter the country illegally 
and those who employ them disrespect the rule of law, uh, and they are showing disregard for those who are following the law. Uh, we simply cannot allow people to pour into the United States undetected, undocumented, unchecked, and circumventing the line of people who are waiting patiently, diligently, and lawfully uh, to become immigrants in this country. We are a general. So President Trump tweets that video out, and it's got <laughs> one line under it, and it says, I agree with President Obama 100%. It's pretty ama- it's it's pretty amazing how everybody kind of has, in, at least among some of the Democratic leaders, has uh, changed their tune pretty much on uh, on all levels regarding immigration. For instance, there's a really interesting uh, report at uh, GOP.com. Obviously, it's a GOP website detailing uh, the Hillary Clinton flip flop. On immigration. So apparently, all the Democrats right now who are somehow promoting this caravan and, and, and romanticizing this caravan, including the people in the media, clearly are totally in contrast with what the fearless leaders and their fearless leaders were talking about back in the day. You just heard Barack Obama, but uh, Hillary Clinton, they have an entire dossier on all of her flip-flopping positions on immigration. So they had a uh, uh, one from uh, December of 2015 where she decided she was going to go on there and and talk about the, uh, the immigration situation. And that was when... Uh, she completely reversed her position on even the term illegal immigrants from her time as first lady through the 2016 campaign. So you had, uh, in 2015, Clinton boasted that she voted numerous times when I was a senator to spend money to build a barrier to try to prevent illegal immigrants from coming in. Then on In 2003, she did a radio interview where she said, I'm adamantly against illegal immigrants. We've got to do several things, and I am, you know, adamantly against illegal immigrants. I made this exception basically on humanitarian grounds because of the individual stories. But certainly we've got to do more at our borders, and people have to stop employing illegal immigrants. Come up to Westchester, go to Suffolk and Nassau County, stand in the street corners in Brooklyn or the Bronx. You're going to see loads of people waiting to get picked up to go do yard work and construction work and domestic work. We've got to do yard work. But that was 2003 when Hillary Clinton was talking tough on immigration. And then uh, that's 2003, 10 years earlier uh, when she was the first lady, this is in 1993, because uh, she said, we're, we are left with a serious problem because we have a number of undocumented workers and illegal aliens in the country right now. Now, then in uh, 2015, uh, she was asked again if she would forego, this is during a Facebook Q&A, 
she was asked whether she would forego the term illegal immigrant. Yes, I will, she said. That was a poor choice of words. As I've said throughout the campaign, the people at the heart of this issue are children, parents, families, and dreamers. They have names and hopes and dreams that deserve to be respected. So she no longer decided that she was she, – she no longer um, is using the term illegal immigrants and decided she wasn't going to say that anymore. Now, in between two separate presidential campaigns – and I'm talking about 2007 and 2015. Hillary Clinton totally switched her positions on sanctuary cities between these two campaigns. So in 2007, she said, uh, and this was an interview with, uh, with Tim Russert, and this was during a presidential candidates debate uh, at Dartmouth, Russert says, uh, would you allow the sanctuary cities to disobey the federal law? Uh, she goes, well, I don't think there's any choice. The ICE groups go in and raid individuals, but if you, you're a local police chief and you're trying to solve a crime that you know people from the immigrant community or have information about, they may not talk to you if they think you're also going to be enforcing the immigration laws. And then, and then in 2015, this is another presidential election cycle, she said uh, that cities should comply with federal demands that they not be sanctuary cities. So this woman has been all over the map, just like Barack Obama has been all over the map. And so if you're a Democrat or Shepard Smith, the the idea that somehow this is going to be your crusade, you are absolutely flying in the face of what have been on-the-record statements made by two of your most venerated leaders, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. In 1994, Clinton said that illegal immigrants should not receive health care benefits. That's in 1994. And then in 2015, she said they should. In 2008, Hillary Clinton was kind of unclear about whether or not they should uh, – illegal immigrants should even have driver's licenses. This is 2008. Then she came out against the idea of having driver's license for them. Then in 2015, she went ahead and said, oh, yeah, they should have driver's licenses. This is in a span of seven years, two different presidential election cycles. She's changed her, her opinion. Then, when it came to uh, what we we're going to do with uh, with, well, you want to hear her talk about about the uh, about that, this, about the driver's yeah, license this, issue. And and, uh, and Governor O'Malley will have the chance, I think, to stand up as he did at the Jefferson Jackson dinner last Saturday night and make the That's persuasive Spitzer case at the that time. you need to be principled. You need to have the backbone and fortitude to stand on those principles. You can't be a presidential candidate, as, as I hate to say, but as I think Hillary Clinton is, who has shifted position on every major issue leading up to this campaign. That's when that's when Spitzer was attacking her back in 2007. Uh, and, and and this was during, you know, obviously the time when when they were uh, in a in a pitched battle over the Senate seat there. But and then she was running. Then she was going to be running for president. So he was criticizing her positions, and one of them was on the was on the driver's license issue. But then it didn't take 
a presidential cycle for her to change her mind about the situation involving unaccompanied minors who are arriving in the U.S. So in 2014, she said uh, that she was open to changing this 2008 law, saying that she thinks it would be looked at as an overall package. She says, um, you know, uh, that that this law should be changed that would uh, basically adjust to the minors crossing the border. And she said, we have migrants, children who are leaving for a variety of reasons, economic, they want to reunite with family members, and we have refugees, people have a reason to be threatened, people have bad problems if they return home as to what might happen then. Um, So she was thinking that, well, maybe we ought to make it, change the laws so that we actually have more of a regimented ability to deal with, uh, to, to deal with, unaccompanied minors. So again, folks, if you're listening to Democrats now and they were adhering to any of the positions of their venerated leaders, Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton, if you listen to them now, uh, they are, their positions are flying in the face of what Obama said back in when he was a senator from Illinois and what Hillary Clinton said back when she was running for president in uh, in 2007. Uh, that was also the time when Barack Obama was uh, running against her. And uh, it was interesting because he didn't – I don't even think he had this same position that he did the other day in Las Vegas uh, back in 2007. Do you? I don't know. I don't if know. you give Nevada, you could be the first state ever to elect a state legislature where – The majority are women. Which, I'm pretty sure things will work better if you give women a chance to run things for a while. But you have to vote. Yeah, well, I I wonder if uh, Hillary Clinton said, you didn't seem to have that position back in the day now, did you? Back in the day when uh, when uh, when I was running against you, you didn't think that women should have uh, uh, should 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 have the power because you wanted that power. It's, it's it's my understanding. All right, so I listen. I I uh, you know I'm working on on getting this contributorship there at the Fox News, and you know I've been kind of uh, pretty hard on on Shepard Smith over the years. And I don't know whether they're paying attention to that or not, or whether that, that disqualifies me, but I'm going to be honest though. Right. I mean, isn't that kind of part of being a contributor and everything else is you got to kind of be uh, honest and, and straightforward. And they expect you to tell the truth, even if it, if it hurts, but I got to tell you this Shepard Smith thing yesterday regarding the, Pompeo discussion where he was uh um where 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 he's trying to look at who was in this crew of people uh Pompeo did uh find that there were some MS13 gang members in there and there were also some people from the cartels in there uh Jim Carafano even pointed that out and then, and then yesterday, there were uh, statements made by Vice President uh, Pence that they believe that this was somehow being funded by Honduran left wingers and Venezuelan individuals, and 
the Department of Homeland Security has indicated there's that it's not beyond the realm of possibility that there are also people in this group of individuals who are uh, not from Central and South America and indeed are from North Africa and the Middle East. Uh, they're, they're not just making this up. And as I pointed out earlier in this Jorge Ramos, Martha McCallum interview, you just look at the interview and you could see the people walking behind him. These aren't people clutching their infant children. These are individuals who uh, are wearing Hollister surfing T-shirts and Army T-shirts and uh, – you know, in in in, in uh, t-shirts that are, that are uh, the, the L.A. Clippers and Nike, they they look like they're walking around L.A. and and, and they're twenty five year old guys. And yeah, are they looking to uh, possibly work here? Of, of of course they are. But but the fact that this isn't this isn't this group of uh, teeming hungry thirsty masses here with 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 being escorted by. Uh, passenger buses that are, have their hazard lights on as they're driving along the highway while they're walking along the highway for uh, media live shots. And then, as I mentioned earlier, four out of uh, four of them, if just in a span of a five minute and fifty second video clip, had their faces covered by t shirts that were wrapped around their faces, walking along a highway that looked like it was in Arnold Highway Twenty One or something, you know. And, and so, these are not the, pe- the, the, the the these are not these people that the media are portraying them to be. At least, not all of them are. And and so, President Trump has accurately said that this is a good example of why we need to protect our borders and why we need to protect our sovereignty, and how this is not a this is we're not a commune. We're not a we're not an outpost. We're the United States of America. We're a sovereign nation. We have the right to protect our sovereignty, and we have the right to determine who comes here and who doesn't come here. I don't understand why that is such a big-ass problem for people to understand, but apparently it is. And the president has accurately said that even these midterm elections are elections that are surrounding major issues like this, immigration, and even, for instance, he's, he mentioned Kavanaugh. He said Kavanaugh and caravans. And that's true. But, that, but that's not an exploitation of the issue. That's not President Trump running against some kind of, some, you know, Central American baby. I mean, he, he's, he's, he's running against individuals who do not believe that we're a sovereign nation and do not believe in enforcing our immigration laws. That's not him pandering or or him exploiting the issue that's not him bullying a three-year-old honduran this is him talking about how this is an important issue and this is an issue in our time and this caravan basically nutshells every issue facing this country regarding immigration and how we're gonna how we're gonna deal with it i mean if hell if you didn't know any better you'd think the gop put this caravan together because of of the of the payoff that this caravan is going to supply when it comes to people seeing what the real problem is 
Because I'll tell you, you look at that Jorge Ramos, Martha McCallop interview, and you're seeing a completely different side of the story. And and I'm not talking about listening to Martha McCallum or listening to Jorge Ramos. I'm talking about looking at who's walking behind him. And I'm not saying wearing a Hollister shirt or an L.A. Clippers shirt uh, is is a me is a way to deny you citizenship. That's not what I'm talking about. But this idea somehow that these people are just kind of come crawling on their hands and knees to the USA in a 2,000-mile pilgrimage. I'm surprised they haven't called us a pilgrimage yet. They will. Somebody's, somebody's called it a pilgrimage, right? Somebody has used that word, correct? Because they, if it hasn't been used yet, they will. And, and there's, a long, there's a strong possibility that by the time they get to uh, the border, they'll be called pilgrims. I, I don't know. Sojourners. I'm surprised they haven't called us a sojourn yet. Right now, it's just a caravan, which isn't uh, it's going to lose its luster. It's not going to be sexy enough for the news media. So they're going to have I'm, – I'm sure – I haven't watched all the coverage, but I'm sure that the, uh, the news media, somebody has come up with the term uh, sojourn or pilgrimage. But anyway, so again, it's not – when President Trump says this is manifesting immigration issues, an issue of our time – and and a de- the debate of our time, that's not him running against a uh, baby Honduran. This is him talking about Democrats and policy and how elections have consequences. And when you put people in office, they have an influence on our immigration laws and beyond. So anyway, Shepard Smith doesn't like that and and, and has decided that he was going to basically editorialize uh, on this caravan issue. And it's mint mint vintage Shepard Smith here as he uh, trolls the trolls, the, uh, the president on the matter. If if I can tweets just now, sorry, Shep, we are not falling for your fake story. This is an invasion. This is not a caravan of poor migrants seeking a better life. Yes. There may be some of that there, but you're full of it if you believe what you're saying. POTUS has intel. You don't. And that's true. But that kind of pissed Shepard off because somebody tweeted him and he didn't like that. So he was going to become, you know, the Reverend Shepard Smith here on Fox News all of a sudden. No, he doesn't. How, how do you know he doesn't, Shepard Smith? How do you know he doesn't have intel on the matter? I mean, Listen. Shepard Smith is a talented guy for what he does, and he's he's more of a blood and guts guy. He's more of a you know he he comes from WSVN down there in Miami. I almost got a job down there, rolling around in a live truck covering stabbings and murders in Miami. But Shepard Smith uh, is is better at covering calamities, you know, like like hurricanes and that kind of stuff. He's he's pretty good at covering. Uh, crisis uh, disasters and and major crimes and that kind of stuff. When it comes to politics, he's just another hack. I've worked with people like him my whole life in TV and beyond, and and you know they're they're good at standing in front of a fire and reporting on murders and stuff like that. But uh, when it comes to politics, they have sim- they're simpletons and and they're left wing and they just. Don't know any better. 
than than maybe what somebody in their family tells them, but that's about it. So Shepard Smith is always way out of his league when he's doing politics because he he can't hide his moon battery. He can't he can't hide that, and so it, it always comes out. But he's never really, never seemingly really fully equipped to handle the heavy machinery that you need to handle when you're doing politics. He never really. He he comes across as as usually infantile and immature, and in this case, he just didn't like this tweet when they said he was full of full of it. He didn't like that. But you're full of it if you believe what you're saying. POTUS has intel. You don't. No, he doesn't. Thinking to myself, well, how do you know he doesn't? Pompeo is with the Department of Homeland Security. Mike Pence is the vice president of the United States. You don't think these people have access to intel? Uh, you know, they, they're they working. You, you know, Shepard, the same swamp that you call an institution and and the same CIA and uh, NSA and all those groups that you've been defending for all this time, now suddenly they have no credibility at all. The intelligence community that you talked about risking their lives for the uh, – for the sake of the United States, risking their lives for decades protecting this country and blah, 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 blah. You're now basically uh, saying that that anything that comes out of their mouths or anything that is coming out of Pompeo's mouth is, is wrong and no, they don't? Shepard Smith has spent the past year and a half lauding these agencies as being um, sages and heroes, and now suddenly he doesn't really uh, – believe a word any of them might say. POTUS has politics. He told us just the other day, so I can report to you with certainty, they're running on Kavanaugh and Caravan. Your fear of an invasion of migrants. We just showed you their pictures. Yeah. How dramatic, Shepard. I just showed you their pictures, too. And they're 25-year-old dudes wearing Hollister shirts and L.A. Clippers shirts. And four of them, in a span of five minutes and 50 seconds, were covering their faces with handkerchiefs or T-shirts. So uh, I just showed you their pictures, too. So if you want to have a showed you their pictures off, Shep, I'm glad to have that with you. But see, the pictures that uh, Shepard Smith is showing you, and that ABC and CBS and NBC and CNN are showing you are pictures that usually have been edited. It just so happens that Jorge Ramos was live with Martha McCallum, and we were able to actually see people in their full-blown glory. We were able to see them doing what they're doing instead of having somebody else show us what they choose to show us. Because I guarantee you uh, that you can't find one clip uh, that actually is uh, of a tape. I mean, I'm talking about tape that has been in somebody else's hands before you saw it. I guarantee you you're not getting one clip of any of these individuals with their faces covered. Not one. Now, if you see it, let me know because – but but – but I, I, uh, of all the, the tape I've seen, and I haven't seen it all, but of all the tape I've seen, uh, they have not been showing that side of it. And so really, in the end, 
the the interview with Ramos is uh, money only because I'm able to see what what you're able to see for yourself what the reality is and 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 what really is you're seeing now now again the four guys with their faces covered in a span of five minutes and fifty seconds isn't everybody uh, and and it's it's not an indication that everybody is a faces covered criminal I'm not saying that either there are some people in this caravan clearly who I'm sure. I mean, out of 7,000, it stands to reason there's got to be somebody in there who actually does have a, a point of view that I think we can all agree with and, and, and be sympathetic to. I'm, sh- I'm sure there are people in this group uh, that we, we believe in. But, but again, to my point, when, when, uh, when Shepard Smith says he – in response to somebody saying he has intel, you don't, when Shepard Smith says no, he doesn't. He can't factually know that. He can't factually know that 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 President Trump doesn't have intel. There's 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 no you're way. You're full of it if he believe what you're saying. POTUS has intel, but you don't. No, he doesn't. I mean, he. This is a news anchor right there, and he says no, he doesn't. He doesn't know that to be true. And again. Uh, if if Shepard says I don't think he does, that's one thing. But to sit there and say no, he doesn't—that's your childish, that's your that's your hacky, blood and guts hurricane reporter right there. He doesn't. He 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 he's and and apparently he has pictures of the Murdochs because uh, that's the only way I could figure how how you could have a guy like that on Fox News. But nonetheless, he doesn't know that the president doesn't have and No, he doesn't. It's like, how do you know that? I mean, I mean, and I guess there's a possibility he doesn't. And maybe if Shepard Simpson said, well, there's a possibility he does. But let me tell you something. He said he was running uh, on the caravan in Kavanaugh. It's like, that's true, though. Shepard Smith is right when he says the president, he's running on that. But, but he's not running on it because... President Trump wants to face off with with Honduran three year olds. He's running because this is a an issue of our time, and this particular caravan is going to make or break this country's uh, ability to protect itself and stay sovereign. And 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 this country has every single right. And certainly a duty to protect its borders, to decide who comes here and who doesn't, and to make sure who is coming here uh, is going to be good for this country. That doesn't seem to be a crazy position to take uh, by anybody, and certainly that's not a reason to dismiss what the what the uh, president and 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 the rest of the people are saying, I, I just don't, I don't see how uh, this could possibly be something that you could, you could uh, disagree with when it comes to this country's ability to protect itself. But yeah, have they used the term pilgrimage or sojourn yesterday? I said, uh, when are they going to start calling this? The, uh, the love train, the love train. Come on, people get on board to the, Train, join hands. Pilgrimage. Join 
right, so former Army General Stanley McChrystal has decided to throw away his prized portrait of Robert E. Lee. Going to discuss that. Going to also talk about the midterms and a governor's race down there in Florida. It's getting pretty hot. There's a poll out there that shows this Gillum character is uh, is six points ahead of DeSantis. And I wouldn't say that DeSantis is the perfect candidate in terms of a debate situation. He, uh, I think he's I think he's very good at at battling Gillum in in this clip. I'm about to play in a little bit, but but Gillum. Looks a little more composed. I don't know why, but he just kind of does. Even though he's, in my opinion, he's got some issues there. Voter fraud and some other things going for him. I'll play that for you. In the meantime, proud to be here at the Discovery Design Truck Care and Manufacturing Studios. DDTruckUSA.com is the website. Really appreciate the Pogues and all they're doing for Radio Free Almond. Thank you also to Michael Proctor. Proctor spelled like doctor. You guys uh, wanting to spruce up uh, and gals wanting to spruce up your homes for the holidays. Michael, seven days a week, mobile design unit. Some of the best, most beautiful materials you're going to find. Woven wood shades. Norman shutters, which is kind of all the rage that uh, you guys will appreciate there. You can have it all installed in time for the holidays for you. Great guy. Longtime friend of mine, longtime supporter of me on the radio. It's Proctor spelled like Dr. ProctorDrapery.com. Thank you also to my friend Ricky Hall, the veteran owned Nutrition HQ, for all of your nutritional needs, your supplements, your pre workouts. He's got a pre workout called uh, Stand the F Up. It's got Uncle Sam standing with his, showing his muscles. Obviously, a response to. Uh, Colin Kaepernick, but that's kind of the vibe you're going to get at Nutrition HQ right there at Manchester McKnight. NHQ.rocks is the website. He's got protein powders. He's got uh, protein pizzas. He's got protein burritos. I mean, this is all right there. It's it's delicious. You know, the protein pizzas, you're thinking, like, like what's a... What's a... What's a pro, sorry, I don't even know who the hell that is. Uh, what, what's a protein pizza? Well... Uh, the protein pizza actually has uh, a crust that's made of chicken. It's not a it's not a carbo it's not a carb crust. It's a it's a chicken crust. So it's made of chicken. It's really good actually. Uh, protein pizza, uh, protein burritos, and the wraps there are made of uh, chicken. So it's it's uh, it's actually, actually pretty damn good. Also has uh, energy drinks there, and I get the winoline as a supplement there, which I like, which is a fat burner and a. Energizer, which I really uh, do like, and I, I get my vitamins and uh, minerals from him as well. And he also has a really groovy little new uh, apparatus there. Looks like a scale, and you go in and you step on it. Uh, put your feet right where the feet are, and you step on it, and then it will able. It's able to assess your body mass index and your fat. It's it's kind of really amazing what it does. And then from that that point, it just prints it out. And then from that point, they can put together a program for you that is going to get you back in action regarding your health. It doesn't matter what your goal is. Maybe your goal is to lose weight. Maybe your goal is to gain muscle. Uh, Maybe your goal is to kind of 
bulk down as opposed to bulk up, uh, then uh, he can help you do that as well at Nutrition HQ. That's NHQ.rocks, my people. So we have the uh, situation regarding this race down there in, uh, in Florida. And there was a debate between Ron DeSantis and uh, Andrew Gillum. Uh, Gillum, I guess you could say. So uh, he's the mayor of Tallahassee. He's a Democrat, as you know, and now candidate for governor. And there's an FBI investigation of the Tallahassee Economic Development Agency there. And a lot of this is a lot of this is going unnoticed by the media uh, because Gillum is the is you know set to be maybe the first black governor of of Florida, and so they're they're giving him the Barack Obama treatment, and they're not doing a whole lot there. Uh, there were emails that have been released that prove that Gillum accepted a ticket to Hamilton while on a trip to New York City. And the person who offered the ticket was an undercover FBI agent. So this is from the Miami Herald. So at least the Miami Herald is covering the story. It says undercover FBI agents were the ones who gave Tallahassee Mayor Andrew Gillum a ticket to the Broadway show Hamilton during a trip to New York in 2016. This is a bunch of records that were given to the Florida Ethics Commission and released to the public. Uh, text messages between Gillum and former lobbyist Adam Corey, who arranged outings with undercover agents looking into city government corruption. This is during their investigation of the Economic Development Agency. Were on more than 100 pages of records uh, that the Ethics Commission received, which is investigating trips to Costa Rica and New York that Gillum took in 2016. The text messages show that contrary to what Gillum's campaign has said, Gillum knew the tickets came from Mike Miller, that's the name given, who was an FBI agent posing as a developer during an investigation into corruption that the FBI was uh, given. Um, Corey texted Gillum on August 10, 2016, and it said, Mike Miller and the crew have tickets for us to Hamilton tonight at 8 o'clock. Gillum replied, awesome news about Hamilton. Now, keep in mind, uh, Gillum, when confronted with all this in September, his campaign released a statement saying that it was his brother Marcus who would tame, who got the tickets in, in some kind of swap. The statement made no mention of Mike Miller. And then uh, during this debate, which was aired on CNN on Sunday, uh, and I don't know whether you watched it or not, DeSantis actually pressed him on the thing, and it was never really answered. And, and Gillum never really answered the question at all and stuck to this story the following day uh, that, that the ticket came of, from his brother, even though there's a text message that said, yeah, Awesome on the tickets, acknowledging that he got the message that Mike Miller got tickets. Now, I guess presumably you can say that he, well, maybe he was saying awesome and assuming that um, uh, that 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 maybe Marcus is the one who arranged all the tickets and all that kind of stuff. And again, the issue here isn't isn't that huge of a deal. People get tickets all the time to things, and 
and and and so that's you know that happens quite a bit where people are guests of people and blah 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 i get it but this was part of a wide ranging corruption investigation of the economic development commission there in tallahassee and so when that's the case and you have developers who are treating people to the things out of state in New York City and everything else, that becomes kind of an issue, kind of a problem. And I'm, I'm not quite sure that it's such a bad thing for a politician to uh, get a baseball ticket here and there or whatever. I mean, I, I know it's happened. I know that they're clamping down on all that, and I, and I get it, but I'm not really all that lathered up about it. But, but when it's clearly part of a person who is seeking – a direct project that uh, involves a contract or a decision made on getting a project done or whatever, that becomes more of a problem. I mean, there are people from, I'm just, I don't know. I'll just kind of call an example out. If I can find one, uh, like, um, a, uh, Ameren. All right. Back in the day might have given baseball tickets to a state Senator or a state lawmaker, uh, and and if Ameren at the time had some legislation in the hopper, that would be somewhat of a problem. But Ameren just simply being friendly, or or Anheuser Busch or whatever, being I don't know, it happens all. I don't, I'm not quite sure. I'm all that upset about stuff like that, unless it's directly tied to a piece of legislation. Unless there's something that that lawmaker directly oversees and directly has an influence and 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 a decision to be made. Uh, then that becomes a problem, and, and and I think most of us would agree it does. In this case, with the Hamilton tickets, uh, the the mayor of Tallahassee has a direct decision-making role in development projects that the city is approving through its economic development arm. And so that becomes a pretty big problem, and that's why the investigation is ongoing into this Economic Development Commission and so this is how the the whole the exchange went down, and uh, and and DeSantis is trying to kind of get him to answer the question. This is how it uh, how it worked out. To me, corruption is when you're in a position of power, you're getting something you shouldn't have had. He shouldn't have gotten the Broadway tickets. He shouldn't have gotten the trip to Costa Rica. And then you give something to someone in return. He gave two million dollars to Thank those you. same lobbyists. So let me be very clear. First of all, I am a grown man. Uh, My wife and I take vacations and we pay for our own vacations. I didn't get anything in life for free. I got it by working for it. So if the congressman is suggesting that. But that's not true. Uh, He didn't work for the Hamilton tickets or the Hamilton ticket. He didn't he didn't work for that. And he and his trip to Costa Rica was paid. So how is it that he can just simply say, I'm a grown man. I pay for my it's like, no, you didn't. That's pretty much right there on on paper in black and white. I have friends that have I don't choose their professions that somehow that makes me in some way uh, uh, less uh, than ethical. Did you pay? For- OK, so so Gillum is trying to claim that this developer or I don't know who he's talking about here, that I have friends and I don't control what their job is. So if they just happen to be a developer who happens to be looking for a project with Tallahassee, I can't control the fact that my friend just so happened to have a job that puts him in a situation where he stands to gain monetarily from decisions I make. I can't help that. That's what Gillum says. 
And DeSantis decides he's going to press him on that. He to, then he ought to check himself. Well, if you will. So if you take the way we've dealt with their investigation, as opposed to how uh, Mr. DeSantis has dealt with it, I'll take our example every single day of the week. The difference between uh, Andrew and me is that when I dealt with the FBI as a prosecutor, I was working hand in hand with them to bring people to justice. When Andrew deals with them, he's dealing with an undercover agent. Why does it, hold on a second. I don't know why this is. With an undercover FBI agent. You went to Costa Rica with these same lobbyists. And guess what happened? The lobbyists that wind and dine Andrew, they got a $2 million grant from the city government. So to me, corruption is when you're in a position and, of. And, and, and that's, that's on paper. That's a factual presentation by DeSantis here in this debate. Or you're getting something you shouldn't have had. He shouldn't have gotten the Broadway tickets. He shouldn't have gotten the trip to Costa Rica. And then you give something to someone in return. He gave $2 million to those same lobbyists. So let me be very clear. First of all, I am a grown man. Uh, My wife and I take vacations and we pay for our own vacations. I didn't get anything in life for free. I got it by working for it. So if the congressman is suggesting that because I have friends that have I don't choose their professions, that somehow that makes me in some way uh, uh, less uh, than ethical. Did you pay for Hamilton? Then he ought to check himself. Well, Andrew, did you pay for the trip? You had your time. I will take mine. Because you won't answer the question. I will take mine. Right. Uh, the congressman himself accepted money. In fact, he left his job in Congress because he was under ethics investigation. Oh, he went, stayed in a home in Washington, D.C. as a kickback and left the Congress before that inquiry could be completed. Well, that, that's a lie. I've that never, is I, a fact. I say for six years I lived in my office in Washington. You know what that's I true. did when I got to Congress? I declined all. As a lot of congressmen do, by the way, uh, sometimes they're even roommates and they're and they're sleeping in their in their offices. Happens in Jeff City too, by the way. Perks. I declined the pension. Mm. I declined the special health care subsidies. The first bill I passed stopped a pay increase for members of Congress. What he said is wrong. And, th- and that's on paper too. That 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 uh, that DeSantis declined that some of the housing stipulations uh, and and the and the congressional health care. And and even even voted uh, introduced a bill that would would that that derailed a pay raise. I mean, that's that's all in black and white on paper for DeSantis here. Use the office to benefit himself. Uh, I put taxpayers first and gave up any perks because I think people are sick of that. But the question is, did you pay for the Hamilton ticket or did the undercover FBI agent pay for the Hamilton ticket? Did you pay to stay in the under the, the villa in Costa Rica? Uh, where are the receipts? You have not proven that you paid for anything. And that's the problem. So here's the direct answer. I don't take free trips from anybody. I'm a hardworking person. I know that may not fit your description of what you think people like me. Oh, uh, yeah. So, so Gillum loves playing the whole uh, race card. And, and so, so he's trying to insinuate somehow that DeSantis it, it doesn't believe black people are able to pay for anything on their own, which is a, an entire vat of crap. But I worked hard for everything that I've gotten in my life, and I don't need anybody handing me anything for free. So, so, but to be more specific about this congressman, since he's bringing up. Re- so, so, again, he's not answering the question and refusing to do so. You think you would think at some point uh, maybe the moderator would step in and say, OK, can you answer the question? I don't know whether that would be the moderator's role or not. I, 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 I don't know what the format of this particular uh this particular debate would be but you'd think that they would step in and have him answer the question he has not answered the question from DeSantis 
same lobbyists. So let me be very clear. First of all, I'm a grown man. Uh, my wife and I take vacations and we pay for our own vacations. I didn't get anything in life for free. I got it by working for it. So if the Congress think people like me uh, do, but I worked hard for everything that I've gotten in my life and I don't need anybody handing me anything for free. So, so, but to be more specific about this congressman, since he's bringing up. Uh, but when he said to be more specific, I thought, oh, OK, so the now, maybe now he's going to answer the question. But no such luck. Uh, this Florida taxpayers deserve to know what he did with one hundred and forty five thousand dollars of travel money as a member of Congress that he refuses to uh, allow us to see those receipts even more. He said, if I release my tax returns, which we have done, he would release his. I have We're still waiting I have. for released. the congressman to release his. No, they released. I don't have any. You also hide. release. <laughs> he did. So, so Gillum was like, hey, he needs to release his tax returns. It says like I did, dude. The morning after your primary win, you said Florida voters shouldn't, quote, monkey this up by electing Mayor okay, Gillum. So that, so you insisted your comments had nothing to do with Tapper's back to the to the race thing. That's a pretty significant development in this particular race and especially in this debate that Tapper decided he was just going to simply ignore. And then his follow up question was about the monkeying around thing that, that became that was an issue for like 12 hours and was a complete and then wound up being a complete non-issue eventually. Now, keep in mind, you're maybe wondering why this uh, race is important. Well, as you all know, uh, the Florida governorship and, and governor's offices in general are pretty important things. I mean, you're talking about people who are able to shepherd in uh, agendas that are coming uh, from the White House. And so that's a that's a significant deal. And so, uh, you know, you, you have to understand that 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 this is a really important race as it relates to uh, um, as as it relates to what's the the overall political climate we have, and you all know what what how important that race could be, uh, and and how important uh, the Florida governorship ultimately is uh, on a number of different levels. So you got to understand this is a this is a big race, and right now the poll numbers are apparently showing uh, that Gillum is six points ahead in Florida. That that doesn't Again, you know, I, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not a big quoter of polls all the time, and I'm no, I don't have any evidence to to refute the six percent. But I will tell you that that's hard for me to believe in a state of Florida that has continually elected Republican governors that suddenly they're going to shift that dramatically to an individual who. A, his ethics are at least in moderate dispute, and B, his positions are completely antithetical, couldn't be 100%, more than 100% in the direct opposite direction of the president's agenda. And certainly in Florida, where you know there are many people who are benefiting from the, the from the trumpian economy you, you you i can't imagine these people suddenly turning a switch off that would stop that whole thing by electing a governor who is going to openly stand in the way of 
the president's economic agenda. I just don't see it happening, but I guess there's always that possibility. And, you know, you, you just never know. It's a matter of getting out and, uh, and voting eventually. So that's the deal. Good morning, live from the Discovery Design Trunk Care and Manufacturing Studios. DDTruckUSA.com is where you can find that. Going to get my Santino cigar and cocktail sign back in here eventually. I hope if you're planning your weekend, yeah, they're rewiring it so it can light up without bleaching out the entirety of the uh, of the video here. So they're rewiring it. I don't know what they're doing, actually. Mike Reno is like, I'll take it back with me and we'll rewire it. And I'm like, okay. But you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to use it as an excuse to go down there and uh, I'm go down there and uh, as an excuse to go down there and have a drink and pick it up there. Oh, I won't. Don't bother bringing it to me. I'll go down there, buddy. Grab a Yippee Kaye whiskey while I'm there. Smoke a cigar while I'm there. That's what I'll do. I still encourage you to to look at this uh, look at this video with uh, Jorge Ramos and don't listen to it, turn it off, turn the sound off, and just look at the people walking behind him, and you'll see what the caravan's all about. Kamala Harris, who is probably going to run for president, is uh, is talking about how we should be more welcoming and all that kind of stuff, and we'll get into it a little bit more there. Also, President Trump weighing in on this uh, Khashoggi killing. He's now thinking this thing is uh, total corruption, so we're going to follow up on that as well. And then also General McChrystal, who has decided that he is going to, uh, he's getting rid of his uh, his Robert E. Lee portrait, his prized Robert E. Lee portrait. So there's your another level of pandering. I respect General McChrystal, an Army general, but and I've met him before. A nice guy, heard him speak and everything else, but I think this is a load of baloney. Also, Brown University introducing programs to unlearn toxic masculinity. So we're going to follow up on that as well. Crazy world we're living in, huh? By the way, I don't know whether you guys... Uh, the, uh, I don't have the actual. I I, don't, I I can't find when I looked for it again. I couldn't find the damn thing. But you should uh, the the uh, Silver Sun Pickups version of Lazy Eye that they did on David Letterman's show, and they've done it a couple times. So you got to make sure you have the right one. It was quite possibly one of the. Uh, one of the best live performances I've ever seen anywhere was the performance of Lazy Eye by Silver Sun Pickups. Look at look for it. Find it somewhere, maybe. 
man, did you watch the uh, first game in the World Series last night? I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a fan of the Dodgers. I hope they win the World Series, but you're not going to win the World Series by dropping fly balls. What's wrong with those people? Goodness gracious! And making stupid managerial decisions like that—that that ain't gonna work that way, y'all. And by the way, I put up on—I'm I'm doing more Instagram. I hope you guys appreciate that. I'm gonna—I'm getting—I I heard that Instagram was like the way to go, and my my man over there at uh, Santino Cigars and Cocktails is gonna start getting me into it as well, and. Uh, if you're planning a date night, by the way, get down there. It's a great place to hang out. Beautiful place. Well lit. It's, I mean, it's nice and cozily lit. Nice people. And they have your bottle and they have your cigar. And a great exhaust system, too, so you're not walking out there smelling like cigar smoke. But, yeah, I was watching the game last night, and uh, and they had some new guy there at the Dodgers dropping a fly ball. Because what happened is they had this uh, Baez dude pitching uh, he's a good pitcher he's pitching like 98 miles an hour these guys pitching both teams 98 99 100 miles an hour you're not uh, you're not seeing that ball I mean I'm I don't know I tried to explain it to people at one point uh, like when we got into the when we got into the whole uh, the whole discussion about uh steroids in baseball and stuff. And first of all, I didn't ever, I never thought Congress was uh, should have gotten involved in the whole steroid investigation anyway. I just don't I don't see why that is a uh, that's a that's a thing. I don't understand that and felt like it was not, you know, something that the Congress ought to be getting involved in. And I also didn't really care whether baseball players use steroids or not. It's like Mark McGuire. I still think Mark McGuire ought to be in the Hall of Fame. And it's not just because I have his rookie card. Barry Bonds and all those guys. Because uh, my opinion is that you still have to hit the baseball, which is really hard to do. I, I pity the guy who had who was on steroids who uh, had like an average of 150 or something. But But... but you still have to hit the ball, and Mark McGuire hit the ball a lot. Home run. And, and I try to explain to people that, you know, if you, if you have a um, – well, I explain this to the kids this way because they understand it. I say if you, got, if you had a, a quiz and you got three out of ten correct, just three out of ten correct – what would that be? They would say 30%. And I'd say, right. But how would that be recorded as a letter grade? And then they would say F. I would say, right, you, have, you failed the test when you hit 3 out of 10. What happens if you hit uh, 4 out of 10? If you if you if you uh, got four out of ten right, what would that be? It would be still an F. What would it be if you got two out of ten right? It'd be like an even worse F, but it would be an F. And I say, well, in baseball, if you hit three out of ten, 
baseballs, you wind up in the Hall of Fame. If that's your, if that's your, you know, average, most likely you wind up in the Hall of Fame hitting three out of ten baseballs. Four out of ten, then you're then you're in Ted Williams category, and nobody touches him. Hell, even if you hit hit two out of ten, you can still maintain yourself if you can if you can field a ball. You can still maintain yourself pretty well in baseball. That's how hard it is to hit a baseball, and and that's like an eighty five mile an hour baseball, and, and, and so. A 98-mile-an-hour baseball is almost impossible to hit. I mean, you, you got you to gotta anticipate it. And that's what these guys do is, is, is they uh, – I mean, Tony Gwynn used to say that the ball might as well have been dangling from a string. That's how well he could see the ball. And that's, that's probably true for Tony Gwynn, who was, a, who was a great hitter, God rest his soul. Uh, but – but he, um, but it was also a level of anticipation. You have to kind of, uh, you have to anticipate what's coming, and you know, figure out how this is going to happen. Like for instance, when you do the uh, Kirk Gibson story, uh, when you see that, uh, when he hit that home run off of Dennis Eckersley to 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 uh, to move on. Uh, and win, um, he he uh, anticipated a three-two slider. He anticipated a three-ball, two-strike slider because that's what Eckersley did all the time. Because they would study these guys, and they knew that that's Eckersley's move is he's gonna he's gonna pitch a, sl- a slider to you. So you adjust yourself and you swing in advance of uh, the ball. That's how you hit those things. And it wasn't it wasn't a 100-mile-an-hour ball. So I don't know how these guys hit 98, 100-mile-an-hour balls. Gee whiz. It was, a, it was a battle last night of the two Redbeards. It was Craig Kimbrell, who's an excellent pitcher with Boston. And that guy is deadly. He's a badass with Boston. You see that guy? The big beard. He's got this stance when he gets ready to... Pitch. He dangles his arm out to his side, and it's just he's just menacing as hell. And he's got a really fast pitch, and he was all, he was facing off with the other Redbeard, Justin Turner, who's one of my favorites, and Natalie loves the guy too. Calls him Redbeard, but uh, the the this was a uh, matchup of the two beards, and and of course. Uh, Redbeard Craig struck out Redbeard Justin, and that was the end. And you know, I, I go back, I go way back to the baseball days. I mean, I've I've been a baseball fan all my life, and a huge one at that. So when I was a kid, you know, when the Cardinals weren't doing really well, I always uh, I, I was into I I love the ball, I love Carl Yastrzemski and like Fred Lynn back in the day was one of my heroes because when I was a little kid, uh, you know, Fred, Fred Lynn was a rookie and he was a really young guy. And so I always uh, always liked Fred Lynn with Boston and Carl Yastrzemski. I mean, those guys are like uh, amazing. I will tell you one quick story and then I'll move on to the uh, issues of the day here. But I... I, uh, I 
one time did this celebrity baseball game, and it was um, and I did and I faced off with uh, Jason Isbenhausen and uh, with the Cardinals, and so Jason was on the other team, and I was on one team, and so uh, I wound up. Uh, I, what I did was I went out, I got a selfie with him right at, when he was on the mound. And Jason's a really nice guy. He lives in St. Louis here, and he's, he's, a, he's a great guy and, uh, and gave us many good, uh, good memories at, at, with the Cardinals. Anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'm batting against him, and, uh, and lo and behold, uh, I wind up uh, swinging at, like, one of the first pitches he throws me. And he uh, – he is. Uh, I think I. I think I might have either uh, swung at it and 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 missed or whatever. But but then then another one came, and by that time I was anticipating uh, what was going on. I just got news that a bomb was found at the Clinton household. We'll get into that in just a second. I'll finish the story fast. So so uh, so I decided I was going to ant- swing just in anticipation of the ball going over the plate. So then I hit it, and it was a foul ball, but I started running towards first base because I thought I, th- I hit the ball. And that apparently didn't sit very well with Jason, who looked at me like, really, dude? You think you, uh, you, think you hit my pitch? And I, I guess it, in some ways among pitchers, pitchers are very competitive and, and, and just in general. And so I think Jason thought I was uh, – a little too highfalutin and too full of myself to be running towards first base after a foul ball. And so the next pitch in order to take me out, he threw a curve ball that obviously I, I missed. And the announcer in the stands, the announcer at the game was like going, dude, you threw him a curveball." <laughs> Cause isn't how wanted me to strike out at that point. He wasn't going to let me hit a ball off of him. That's how competitive these guys are. And plus, he was pitching pretty fast, too, but then he threw me a curve. Most people are going, dude, you threw this, like, amateur dude a curveball. But, you know, hey, listen, when, when you, when, when you uh, act as if you hit off somebody, the pitcher's like, okay, I'll show you uh, just how incompetent you really are here. All right, so listen to this. A senior lawn, this is from uh, Channel 4 News in New York. A senior law enforcement official says a suspicious package was found at the Chappaqua home of Hillary and Bill Clinton Wednesday. And the concern is that the package is similar to the bomb found in the mailbox of billionaire philanthropist George Soros home in the same county just days earlier. So it wasn't a really a bomb. We don't know that that, that is yet, but wasn't really a bomb. The FBI is on the hunt for the person who put a bomb in the mailbox at the home of billionaire philanthropist George Soros in Westchester County. An employee on the property discovered the device. Federal investigators confirm it did contain explosive powder. Now, the question is, who left it there? So that was at Soros' home, and he's not far away from the Clintons, and that turned out actually to be an explosive device. So... Uh, no one was hurt, although the person who found it opened up the package. Says, that looks like a bomb. I think I'll carry it out to the woods. It's like, okay, 
knock yourself out, but I wouldn't have do that. I would have I would have ran the hell out of the out of the thing. So anyway, uh they're wondering if the package that they found at the Clinton's house uh would turn out to be a, a similar device. And uh they're looking into that right now to see to, to see what's up. Now my question is though I mean, you, you'd have to imagine, how does a package like that, how does a package like that wind up at a former president's house? Uh, and and I realize you can mail things, obviously, uh, to to people's houses, but, but before, I just was thinking that maybe there would be somebody who would... Uh, would be able to kind of flag that or see that before it actually got to somebody's house. Like I would think that if you're a former president, like you'd have everything and certainly a presidential candidate that you would have every check, like nothing would get into a doorway or into a home without kind of being vetted first, knowing the environment we live in and everything else. You'd think that, uh, that they would have checked that, but, but I don't know, and they're still investigating the whole uh, Soros thing, so we'll see how how that one goes. In the meantime, here's another one that I think we need to address because oh, let me get let me get to the Brown University thing real quickly too, because um, and then and then I'll get and then I'll get to the uh, McChrystal issue because the McChrystal thing is something that really uh, annoys me, especially the whole Robert E. Lee thing. And of course, you all know I'm not defending slavery, so let's get that right off the bot, uh, the the uh, top of it here. Anyway, let me get to Brown University. So they now have, uh, my brother went to Brown. Brown University is providing male students programs for unlearning toxic masculinity. And they're saying that it'll lead to longer lifespans for males and and males committing less sexual assaults, fewer. Right? That should that should be the term. It's part of the Be Well Health Promotion, a health service initiative, on their website. And unlearning toxic masculinity, they say, will be beneficial not only for men but for society as a whole. Here's the here's the website. Here's where the website is. This is for Brown University's Be Well program. Rigid definitions of masculinity are toxic to men's health. Even the World Health Organization has recognized that men's tendency to die at younger ages may correlate to the harmful ways that masculinity has been defined in society and the ways that men have been conditioned to practice it. You mean other than heart disease or uh, it's toxic masculinity? Is there a pill to reduce toxic masculinity. In 2000, the World Health Organization acknowledged the need to pay greater attention to the shorter life expectancy of men and identified a lack of understanding of the role of masculinity in shaping men's expectations and behavior. So they're saying that, I guess, toxic masculinity is one in which uh, you uh, wind up drinking too much, smoking too much, and eating too many... uh, Hamburgers, I guess. I, I don't. I don't know what that is because apparently the the leading causes of death in this country, among males at least, as I know, is heart disease. So I, I but I don't know. 
The university's website says men will often resort to violence to resolve conflict because anger is the only emotion that they have been socialized to express. Okay. Well, that's true because the men I'm seeing screaming at Mitch McConnell, those are men. And the, uh, you should be ashamed of yourself, screaming at Betsy DeVos and uh, our men. And a lot of them, at least. And then the, the, the people screaming at, uh, at Ted Cruz, the loudest, were men. The Antifa thugs are all men. Angry Barack Obozo is a man. So maybe 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 there's a th- maybe they have maybe they do maybe it is toxic masculinity that's causing a lot of the problems. Maybe we ought to address that. Unfortunately, the way that young men are conditioned to view sex and their need to be dominant and have power over others also contribute to instances of sexual assault and forms of interpersonal violence on college campuses. Well, it's either that or the or the point two blood alcohol level. Maybe that, that should be the case, too. Anyway, uh, Brown's goal is to create a safe space for male students to unpack all of the things they have learned about masculinity and what it means to be a man and to help those socialized as men to unlearn some of the notions that have led to such profound harm. Uh, they're offering two programs for unlearning society's definitions of masculinity. One is entitled Masculinity 101, a weekly discussion group for students to unpack and unlearn toxic masculine norms. They've got a, they've got a video. Well, the, the music is already... Uh, Totally depleting my masculinity as, as they're as they're playing uh, uh, Joe Pass guitar type strummings. All right, probably my least favorite form of guitar is the Joe Pass guitar. That 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 guitar is the is my least favorite kind of guitar is it like a chet atkins sound too whatever that is but the, the, i think it's the joe pass guitar thing that whole that 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 guitar strumming drives me like i love most music i really do i mean i'm, I'm a i'm a music fan uh but i but i will tell you that uh that um that 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 guitar drives me crazy i i can't stand listening to that that guitar no wonder See, that drives me crazy does you you guys like that kind of that kind of guitar that little is is that hey matt is that joe pass is that joe pass guitar that whole bling 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 yeah okay yeah am i wrong to not like that Okay, I mean, but, but does it make me a does it make me a heretic though? It doesn't make me like, dude. How can you not like Joe Pass guitar? That's not that okay. So it's a it's a distinct taste. Yeah. Okay. Then then good. I'm not too far off. Then 
I can't that that and that is um uh I never really identified it, but now that it actually is uh part of the conversations on masculinity project to to reduce toxic masculinity, now I've determined that because they've chose that music, now I finally have a beat on what the Joe Pass guitar is. At Brown, it's strange because we're told coming here that this is such a liberal bastion and that you're never going to have to prove your masculinity and that it's so gender neutral and everything is fine. But I don't know. Some of the most violent people I see on the streets politically are are liberals. I don't know. Maybe maybe there's maybe there. I mean, obviously, there are obviously some uh, conservative, uh, violent people, but. The people I've seen like breaking windows and lighting fires and beating people with bike locks and and throwing eggs at people and yelling at people in restaurants, they're all liberal people. I don't know what this guy's talking about. At Brown, it's strange because we're told coming. We're also playing the marimbas in this thing too. So why would you – so the Joe Pass guitar and then a marimba is a little too much. That, at that point, you're just you're basically just that's like that's just basically you're putting a uh, you're you're putting pantyhose on me while I'm while while I'm listening to that music. Don't do that. At Brown, it's strange because we're told coming here that this is such a liberal bastion and that you're never going to have to prove your masculinity and that it's so gender neutral and everything is fine but it's not true because i think society is so pervasive that no matter where you go it's going to be there and here it just takes on a different form because no one wants to admit that there is a problem with masculinity there is a problem with so much here and so it becomes a matter of having to speak out about it when everyone is telling you that everything is fine and it becomes another instance of power being played out and you have to really be willing to work against that and say, you know, my idea of masculinity isn't yours and that's okay. We have a lot of different groups. I think the insinuation is that, that uh, the toxic masculinity is, is, a, uh, is a conservative thing. Although it's interesting how they chose to do the course on toxic masculinity at a place that's already predisposed to be liberal, which is kind of odd. It's an odd venue for that. Like they, you'd think that they would try to send the toxic masculinity program to SMU or something down there in Texas. A lot of different social circles here at Brown. And for me, um, a lot of the circles I enter in the spaces I'm in, um, there's a lot more gender fluid and more like loose like understanding and definitions of, of masculinity. But I know with a lot of my friends, I mean, especially just looking at Brown in general, as a primarily white institution, um, with like oh, so now, now, now we're getting to it. So, so, so you can't you can't really be toxic. It can't really be. Uh, well, now they say. By the way, just give you an update on the on the, the Clinton House. Um, that actually is a working explosive device they found there. So it, it is. It turns out it is a bomb. And they did, uh, and it, and it is not far from Soros's home, where they found a bomb. So they have a, um, they actually have found a working explosive device at the at the Clinton Clinton home. So anyway, yeah. But really, the get up on this is that is that um, you can't be uh, 
toxically masculine if you're black, but but white people, this guy's insinuating that white people, though, are, are where that toxic masculinity is, yeah. Oh, come on! All right. A small but still present Greek influence. Um, oh, and, and, and a frat boy, too. So you got, so if you're a frat boy and you're white, that's where the toxic masculinity is. But this black dude uh, can't possibly have any of that going There's on. still a lot of, like, unhealthy. Like, there's very much unhealthy, toxic masculinity. And that resonates in party culture, frat culture, blacking out, um, a kind of asserting dominance. And that, that, that goes into relationship norms, even everyday things like like walking on the street and like 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 if like like even if I have a like a white male in front of me and I'm walking like there's an expectation that I'll move and that I, I don't know do you all have that expectation like uh that if you're white walking down the street that the black guy has to move I, I do you even do you even think about that or uh do you even think about moving out of somebody's way do you calculate when you're walking cuz people who do that I think have issues like if you like if you're walking down the street and you have in your mind that you're not going to move you've got a problem like like if you don't automatically move when someone's coming your way i mean if if if, if there's if that's all about a if you're walking down the street is all about a face-off which apparently it is to this dude you've got some psychological problems like if you like if you're walking down the street and there's somebody coming the other way and you're you have any mode of a calculation about am I going to move for him or is he going to move for me? You got problems, I think. I mean, I, I know that happens. I know there's some people who are like I'm not, I'm not going to move. It's kind of like people in their cars and things like that. But if you're walking down the street and somebody's walking the other way, the people who wind up kind of like in a, in a mode where they're standing their ground as opposed to just simply uh, reflexively moving out of the way. Uh, then they, you got a problem, man. You got kind of a weird thing going there. And this guy thinks about this. This guy is clearly walking down the street, and he's making a calculation about if if it's a white guy, he's thinking this white guy is gonna is gonna make him move over uh, to the other side of the street, or I mean, uh, out of his way. And and I'm like, I don't even, th- I don't. Does, does anybody really even think that way? Like if like if if somebody's even if 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 I have to if I move I I just move I don't I don't want to run into anybody or do whatever I don't care who you are or what you are or whatever I don't I don't sit there and make you know sudden street calculations about whether I'm going to move or not I'm just moving regardless I I don't know but this guy apparently thinks about that poor guy what a life huh walking down the street as a black dude and you're like you're like automatically making these sudden these calculations all the time about whether or not you're going to move or not it's a hard life right there it's a hard way to live right there buddy like even if i have a like a white male in front of me and i'm walking like there's the expectation that i'll move and that's even heightened by some of my friends who are women of color or just women in general like it's these small microaggressions that i think yeah boy that's a tough life right there thinking about microaggressions no wonder people drink because there are other people like these people thinking about microaggressions you have to offset that misery somehow i don't know is very much present on campus i know that there's men at brown that like 
essentially use their title as a feminist or someone that is like aware in order to like seduce women. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you think so? We know all about those dudes, buddy. We've seen that countless times. The men who call themselves feminists. Watch out for those guys, ladies. I'm just telling you. Like, I'm not saying I'm not saying that that men who uh, are anti-feminist are better either. I'm just telling you. But watch out for the guys who are like, yeah, I'm a feminist. I would consider myself to be a feminist. It's like, whew, watch out for those guys. I'm no expert, but I don't know. I, I mean, I clearly Brown is like a unique place in that. There's a lot of expression. They introduced a clapping machine. Now they not only have Joe Pass and the Marimbas, now they have a clapping machine on this thing. You can barely even hear these guys because they're playing, they're, they're, they're drowning their hormones with Joe Pass guitar licks. That is allowed. That's not allowed in other spaces, but I mean. That's I- a microaggression right there is turning up the music while these, these guys are talking and, and, uh, and drowning out their voices with Joe Pass licks, a marimba, and a drum machine. The, the music is like owning these guys. Now, listen, if you're a real man, you'd stand up and go, hey, while I'm talking, turn off the music, the Joe Pass music and the marimbas, and stop with the clap machine. I'm making a point about toxic masculinity. That's what I would do. But of course, little did they know that the microaggression came afterwards because the people didn't tell them there would be music under them. So they recorded them and probably thought, oh, they're listening directly to me. And then, of course, uh, the, the people who put the video together, probably women, probably the girls put the video together. And they'll say, we'll show them. We'll record them talking about toxic masculinity. Then we're going to have music underneath it, and we're going to turn the music up so you can barely hear them. How does that sound? That's a microaggression right there. Still would say at Brown, there's not, not, a, not a great model of what it would mean to be like a good person as a male. I'm more involved with the queer community, and I see within that community, masculinity isn't necessarily talked about in terms of manhood, but more in terms of sort of what does it mean to be like masculine as a queer person, and especially almost as like a woman or like a trans masculine person, which I think is like a really different way of looking at masculinity than a lot of people have. I have no idea what these people are talking about. They have, I mean, I don't, I don't know whether they have, I, I know they think about this kind of stuff, but, or they feel like they have to, but first of all, I can't hear them. I can barely hear them because the music is drowning them out. And secondly, I just don't understand what they're talking about, really. The one thing I did get from the one guy was about the guys who call themselves feminists are like the worst kind. And and, and usually that is because they're just using it to kind of get in. Because you saw the guys at the Women's March, you know, remember from uh, from uh, from the inauguration day? I got. Let me just check in on this bomb thing at the Clintons real quickly. I was having so much fun. I got to go to freaking bomb at the Clintons' house. Worry about that. Oh, Obama got one too. Huh. The U.S. Secret Service said Wednesday that potential explosive devices were sent to former President Barack Obama and ex-presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. Law enforcement. Well, 
then, well, wouldn't it be former President Bill Clinton, too, or is she living alone? Why, why would they? Why would NBC, NBC say, use this line? The U.S. Secret Service said Wednesday that potential explosive devices were sent to former President Barack Obama and ex-presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. But they didn't mention Bill. Hey, what about me? What about what? I don't like doing Bill Clinton's voice. It's so passe. But you have to imagine he's like he's thinking he's chopped liver here. It's like, wait a minute, I got it's my house too. I got a bomb sent to me. Hey, I got a bomb sent to me also. People, I exist here. Yeah, but they just chose to choose to name Barack Obama and ex-presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. A law enforcement official told the New York Times that the explosive device sent to the Clintons' home in Chappaqua, New York, was found by a technician who screens mail for the former president and his family. Oh, so they didn't they didn't mention it. Uh, well, maybe maybe the, how do they know the suspicious packages were sent to Hillary Clinton? And not Bill Clinton. How do they know that they why – did, why did they choose – here's the headline. Feds investigating suspicious packages sent to Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. Now, how do they know that the package – why would they not say package sent to Bill Clinton and Barack Obama? I guess because Hillary's more relevant. But at least they screen mail, which is what I thought they did. The Secret Service said the statement that the package addressed to Obama – was intercepted by agency personnel in D.C. this morning. The U.S. Secret Service said Wednesday that potential explosive devices were addressed to former President Barack Obama and ex-presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. A law enforcement official said that they were addressed to the Clinton's home in Chappaqua and that the package addressed to Obama was sent to a D.C. address. Uh... FBI, U.S. Secret Service investigating the package sent to the Clintons that was discovered last night. And then this morning uh, was the announcement of the uh, package there. Times reported the device was similar to one found at the home of George Soros. And that apparently was a real explosive device. Still confounds me how, uh, how, the, uh, how the person who found the one at Soros' house still managed to decide to pick it up and take it outside, which is once you discover that there's a bomb, normally you are getting your ass out of the vicinity of where that bomb is, but somebody picked it up. I don't know. We'll see how the story shakes out. And then, of course, this will be the this will be the, the big news today, and it'll be Trump's fault. So just so you know. I mean, it's only it's only five to nine right now, but I know what the – story is about uh, about the divisive President Trump fresh off of uh, lauding a congressional candidate for oh you mean to write you mean to go ahead and write the NBC news story okay well good evening everybody uh, the toxic politics generated by a divisive president has now finally hit a crescendo as two Potential explosive devices were found at the homes of former black president Barack Obama and female ex-presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. This comes at a time just days after President Donald Trump lauded a congressman who 
uh, pushed a reporter. And just a year after, they'll do something along those lines. And then uh, they will try to figure out, they'll try to make it out to be that uh, Trump and his divisive USA is causing all kinds of concerns and things like that. Oh, and by the way, Republican congressmen were shot on a field playing baseball. That probably won't be mentioned in there. And I don't think we're going to have the Antifa guy hitting somebody with a bike lock either. So they're now putting together their stories. But the story, but, but, the, but the long and short, I don't know how it will be written. But in the end, this will be blamed on President Trump. And that's why in the midterm elections, you should elect Democrats. That's how this whole thing is going to go. Just, just telling you. That's how it's going to go. And if I didn't know any better, I would think this was all faked anyway. But um, that's just uh, the track record of conservatives committing acts of violence is is pretty short. The track record of liberals committing acts of violence is pretty long. It's a long, 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 long list. Of course, I don't advocate bomb threats to anybody, but... Uh, so far I have, I, I have not been able to, if I had two columns and one was a violent acts committed by Republicans and violent acts committed by Democrats, I would, well, let's put it this way. Let's, let's, let's say if I have a, had a scale, the, the scale that, and I I put a bean onto one side that was the Democrat side and a bean onto one side, which was the Republican side and the beans representative acts of violence. The, the, this, the part where the Democrat side is will, would be so heavy that it would tip the entirety of the scale over on its side. That's, that's how, that's how that would, that would roll. I'll say this video of the, uh, Brown University toxic masculinity thing. I'll say that and we'll I'll talk about that a little more tomorrow because it's too too fun to pass up. And also the uh, General McChrystal story. He has decided to throw away his prized portrait of Robert E. Lee. And I'm thinking, okay, I haven't read the story yet. It's in the Atlantic, and I'm trying to figure out. Well, okay, well, so it, I, I mean, I I I actually respect General McChrystal. I uh, have met him before, and he's a retired U.S. Army general. Uh, and uh, took good care of our soldiers over there in Iraq, and he's a good guy. But uh, but I have to tell you that he's got to know that uh, Robert E. Lee was very conflicted about slavery and about the war, and uh, and and in fact, uh, Robert E. Lee was more a person who has been even quoted as saying that uh, I am dedicated more to my state than, than I really am to anything at all. And I'm fighting for the, my state, not, not for, not for slavery. So in fact, uh, Robert E. Lee was not uh, in favor of slavery. He, he actually was, uh, has spoken out against slavery. Even as a even as a Southern general, he's spoke out against it. So I'm not quite sure where uh, old General McChrystal is going there, but I'm sure we'll find out. We'll deal with it tomorrow. All right, folks. 
So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting day, and it'll be dominated, basically, by the bomb threats and... Uh, By tonight, this will all be your fault, just so you know. So get prepared. See what you did by criticizing Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. See what, see what you did by electing Donald Trump. Look at the environment you created. Divisive people out there. Anyway, have a good rest of your day, everybody. Thank you to Matthew Mitchell and the Matthew Mitchell Allstate Agency, 855-QUOTE-ME. Thank you to Michael Proctor, Proctor spelled like doctor, proctordrapery.com. Goldenoaklending.com, 314-567-GOLD. Veteran-owned, Nutrition HQ, NHQ.rocks. Thank you to Centino Cigars and Cocktails, Vogel Road, Arnold. Thank you to Dr. Naputi, NaputiWellness.com. Rick and Tracy Ellis, TracyEllis.com. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you to Discovery Design, Truck Care and Manufacturing, folks. It's uh, great to be in the studio, supplied by my friends over there. DDTruckUSA.com. Talk to you tomorrow, everybody.